2: Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
4: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio.
5: Oh, what's going on, everybody? I hope you're enjoying your evening. No no Jonas tonight. I know, I love Jonas too. But he'll be back. He'll be back tomorrow. So I'm filling in for him. So we're going to have some fun. Me and the crew. My guy, Chris. We channel our inner... Bronx talk. We'll get to that at some point this evening. Of course, Ryan Bershinger, diehard Dodgers fan. We're talking trash about the Astros tonight and K Fig. I'll work in some RATAs for K Fig at some point, but thrilled to be here with you guys. Let's start with this. The Astros are just the gift that keeps on giving. We got to look at this positively. Yeah, they're
6: idiots. Yeah,
5: they're dumbasses. But they're interesting. And they give me stuff to talk about. So I'm embracing the Astros. I'll say this about them. The Astros could not have come up with another way to look worse. (laughs) With this whole, like, mangled apology tour, it is so unbelievably bad. You know that soundbite that lived on for years and years and years with LeBron? with not five, not six, not seven. Man, the sports radio shows. They didn't stop playing that thing for years. That's all you would hear. This soundbite from Jim Crane, the Houston Astros owner, it is just going to live on and on and on. This is a gem. Check this thing
7: out here. You know, our opinion is... um you know, that this didn't impact the game.
8: Did you say you feel like this didn't impact the game?
7: I I didn't say it didn't impact the
5: game. Hold up. I mean, come on. This is one of those things that it just cracks me up where Jim Crane, the Houston Astros owner, he called a meeting with the entire team before the apologies this week. And I could just picture him being like, all right, guys. Let me quarterback this thing, like he's Denzel in training day. Let me quarterback this thing. Here's what we're going to do here, all right? We're just going to apologize. We're going to own it. We're going to move on. Proceed. Business is normal. Bada bing, bada boom, done. And he's the guy who screwed it all up, totally screwed it up. It's just brutal. And I can't imagine hearing all of this as a Dodgers fan. As a Dodgers fan you just have to be going out of your mind to hear Jim Crane saying stupid things like, oh, we don't know if it actually impacted the game. Not really sure. He's going into detail about that. Here's what I want to happen before we hear from Cody Bellinger, who is essentially the voice of Dodger fans everywhere. For Jim Crane to sit there and be like, we don't know if it actually helped. Do you look at the Major League Baseball investigation It's hard for them to tell whether this helped us or not. So we we really don't know. Here's what I would love to happen. I want every Astros opponent this year to know what pitch is about to be thrown to them all year. And then we will circle back and ask the Astros after the season, do you think that was an advantage? (laughs) I think that's the punishment that they should get going forward in 2020. Now, Cody Bellinger, who, it was saucy. I love the zest here, the spice. He was breathing some fire with old Jim Crane and some of the Astros and their pathetic apologies over there. So he starts off, and it's, it's a little tepid, and then he starts to gain some steam as he goes through here, the checklist going off on the Astros. Let's start it off with Cody Bellinger, a, a little tepid at the beginning. Check this out.
9: thought the apologies were whatever. Uh, I thought Jim Cranes was weak. I thought Manfred's punishment was weak, giving him immunity. I mean, these guys were cheating for three years.
5: Okay, not, not the strongest. I do like that he called out the commish. That's weak. That's your way of getting information. You can only say you get immunity. That's the only way. You're bad at your job getting information if that's the only way you can get information in this specific instance with the Astros and their sign-stealing ways. But he's like, ah, yeah, I thought the apology was whatever. So that's not the strongest. Now, he's gaining some steam. Listen to how it picks up.
9: You know, I think what people don't realize is Altuve stole an MVP from Judge in 17. Everyone knows they stole the ring from us.
5: Ooh, all right, now we're getting somewhere. Altuve, that thief Altuve, and those signs stealing bums, those Astros stealing a ring from us. Now we're getting somewhat. Now we get to the next phase of breathing fire from Cody Bellinger.
9: Personally, I lost respect for those guys. Um, I think I would say everyone in the show, in the big leagues, lost respect for those guys. That's the one right there.
5: Everybody in the show lost respect for you you ever see the movie goodfellas great movie and ray leota at the beginning of the movie he was like one day one day the kids i can't quote this exactly brought carried groceries back to my house for my mother something like that but the end part i remember he goes you know why it was out of respect respect means everything okay Especially for men, not saying it doesn't mean that for the ladies, but for men, we will get in fist fights. We will get in full-on brawls if someone just flat-out disrespects us. So for Cody Bellinger to be like, the whole freaking league lost respect for you guys. Man, that is the trump card right there. I think that is the trump card. Now, this is why I'm going to zag when you think I'm zigging on you when it comes to the Astros. It's the last thing I'll say for now. We'll circle back to it. The odds came out for teams to win the World Series in 2020. You've got the Dodgers and Yankees. They're up there at the top. Number three in the pecking order, the Houston Astros. It would be the best possible scenario for Major League Baseball if the Astros reached the World Series. It'd be way better than the Yankees. Leaps and bounds better than the Yankees. And I know we're talking that media market, New York. We're talking the Yanks. Imagine if it was Yanks, Dodgers. be huge. The Astros, bigger. Bigger for the Astros. Can you imagine if it's Dodgers Astros in the World Series after all of this stuff as a buildup? Imagine the random baseball fan that doesn't have a dog in the fight that's watching in Iowa or North Dakota or wherever. I think a lot of those fans are going to be automatically against the cheating Astros. So you've got a villain. You've got the Astros playing the villain role. If I'm Rob Manfred, I've got my burner account like KD, and it's just hashtag go Stros, Hashtag Ghostros. Because if they reach the World Series, that would be the biggest thing for baseball. Now, I'm torn here because if the Astros won the World Series, it's kind of good. Because it sort of helps legitimize the ring that they won against the Dodgers. I I know, Dodger fans, don't get crazy on me. Because it doesn't fully legitimize it. There's no way it could. But it plants the seed of, hey, they're really good and still might have won the World Series in spite of the cheating. It plants the seed if they're able to win a World Series this season. And that's good for baseball. Because you want that perception of, What's happening, the results are legitimate. The other side of it is when you get just your casual baseball fan or even non-baseball fan to pay attention to the World Series because it's a story now with the Houston Astros in it. If they're rooting against the Astros, it's a major shot in the arm in a good way for baseball if they lose. And you get that feeling of, yeah, they lost it maybe it lends to you being more invested in watching baseball games going forward. So I would say the Astros reaching the world series best for baseball. I would say the Astros losing the world series best scenario for baseball going forward. I'm Brian. No in for Jonas coming to you live from the Geico Fox sports radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Okay. So I don't, Know if you watched the Rising Stars game, DVR'd it. <laughs> I don't think it's exactly drop what you're doing on Valentine's Day. I, I, hey, honey, I know it's Valentine's Day. Look, I'll take you out tomorrow night. The Rising Stars game is on. Okay? Nope. I'm, I'm good for it, right? Just, yeah, it'll be okay. I'll get you an extra box of chocolates. Just let me see Zion and Ja in the Rising Stars game. <laughs> nope. But, but you've got Zion Williamson, he bent the rim. That's right. He dunked the balls, nice alley-oop from John Morant. Zion, he made the rim crooked. The whole thing was just shifted over to the side, basically. And this dude is a phenom. I love it. He's huge for basketball because we've talked all about the ratings dropping. And for Zion to burst onto the scene like this, 10 games in, got a couple games reaching 30 points, he's huge. For the NBA. But I also think this bent rim, it gives you a glimpse of the future just a little bit. I think that Zion is like Shaq in this way. If Zion works his butt off, I think he can be one of the greatest players in the history of the game. If he doesn't have a Kobe like work ethic or something really fierce, there aren't too many that were on a Kobe level, but a, a really fierce, respectable work ethic. Like non-Shaq, I'll say that. He's working way harder than Shaq. I I think he's going to be one of the greats. But if he's working like Shaq, I think he's just going to be a good player. He could be a really good player. But I don't think he could be great, one of the all-time greats. He is going to have to commit himself to a diet. He's going to have to commit himself to a regimen. And he could be one of the greats. But if he doesn't have that work ethic, I don't think it's happening. This guy is a baby right now. and just the way his body is built, I think that he has to be completely and utterly dedicated to maximize his potential. I look at Giannis. Giannis has a great work ethic. If he works like Giannis does, I think Zion's going to be an all-time great. If he has a Shaq-like work ethic, he's going to be a really, really good player. We'll get to the rookie of the year stuff going forward. I know Jason Smith and Mike Harmon on right before this show. They were talking about Zion winning Rookie of the Year. I don't see it. I think it's going to Ja. I don't think Zion's going to be having, I don't think he's going to play in enough games to get it. So I would go the other way. And I also think this, real fast, I think that we've always talked about Zion and how he needs to get in shape. And he's been out of basketball. He's been hurt throughout this season. So, you know, give it time. That, That makes sense. He doesn't look like he's in peak physical shape here. But I also think that the layoff has helped him. I think you have to keep this in mind also because Zion is fresher. It's not like he's had the day-in, day-out, game-in, game-out toll on his body. And this sounds like a hater comment. Like I'm saying, this guy's nothing special. I mean, let's all settle down here. That's not what I'm saying. He's explosive. He's athletic. He's a specimen. For his size, what he can do, it's extraordinary. But I think that if he had been playing the entire season, I don't know that he's putting up these numbers these last couple of games the way he is. I think that he's fresher than the competition. Just keep that in mind when you're thinking about the rookie of the year debate here. Hey, want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn at the fir- at the end of your first year automatically, and it's even more amazing because Discover ex- is accepted at over 95 percent of places in the US that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com/yes. 2019 Nielsen report limitations apply. All right, coming up next from the Geico Studios. You'll hear from the crew. And also, it's a stance that isn't as bad as Jim Crane's stance, but it's still really bad. We'll get into that. I'm Brian Noe in for Jonas. This is Fox Sports Radio.
3: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. <laughs>
5: I'm Brian Ngo here on Fox Sports Radio coming to you from the Geico Studios. Now, my guy, Chris, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this tool? Is this tool right This now? is. Do you know this is a tool-free working environment?
6: <laughs> I did not. Now I do. There's is always this something. Is something
5: from this... Jonas? Do you play a lot of tool for Jonas? Seth, no. For what's
6: going on here? No, right? this is one of my go-to, and you handed me two cuts before the, we jumped back, so uh-huh. I had to grab something off the wall real quick.
5: You ever go to a, you know what, a press I, box for yeah. a sporting event, and they say this is a non-cheering, this is a work environment? This no is no tool, tool here. This a free okay. working environment, yes.
6: Well, I'm going to have to pick your brain at some point, because the only things I know that resonate with you right now is Megadeth and Metallica. I'm sure there's more, but we just don't oh. talk a lot of music.
5: Oh, there's plenty more. We oh, sure. We'll go in-depth this evening tonight, Chris. This, uh-huh. actually, this absolutely has to happen. I'm your DJ. That's what I do. Okay. Sounds good. A little bit of Slayer. Let's get some Slayer in the Can mix. Can I do
6: Slayer on sports talk radio? Can You're probably the only show that would have do Slayer, Slayer on, sports, on talk.
5: sports radio. What kind of
6: question? You really want me to play Angel of Death? You want me to play Angel of Death <laughs> for yes! the national yeah! audience? I
5: want some Angel of Death. <laughs> I want some payback. I want some Slayer. I do the I whole the Rain Golden and Blood tones album of Tom Mariah right. on your show. All right, yes. we'll do it.
6: We'll do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Beautiful.
5: Love that. We'll hear from the crew here in a couple of minutes, but uh, I want to get to this. So Houston Astros owner Jim Crane, not the best apology, (laughs) not the best stance of, I don't know if it really helped us or not. Oh, my gosh. It was really bad. Now, this isn't as bad, but it's, it's still pretty bad. This is Miles Garrett, Brown's defensive end. So his suspension that was indefinite, it's over. He's welcomed back with open arms to the NFL. Turned out to be a six-game suspension for clubbing Steelers quarterback Mason Rudolph over the head with Rudolph's own helmet. Six games. So he did a sit-down interview with Mina Kimes of ESPN, and he had a, he threw something out there that raised some eyebrows. Check this out.
11: He called me a stupid n-word. Uh, I don't like. I don't say the n-word. Whether it's you know with a er, to me personally, just shouldn't be said whether it's known by family, friends, anyone. So when he said it, it kind of sparked something, but I still tried to let it go and still walk away. Once he came back, it kind of reignited the situation.
5: Okay, let's walk through this one, shall we? So right after the game, when Miles Garrett clubbed Mason Rudolph over the head, He met with reporters. Garrett is talking to reporters. There are questions galore. What happened? He didn't mention the N word one time. You heard in that sit down with Mina Kimes. He doesn't use it with the A at the end, the ER at the end. He doesn't use it at all with friends, family. No, it doesn't think it should be said at all. That's how firmly against the usage of that word is in Miles Garrett's book. Yet, after the game that he claims Mason Rudolph, white guy, is calling him a stupid N-word, right after that game, he doesn't mention it at all. And his reasoning is, I didn't want it to seem like I was justifying my actions. Let me ask you this. If that actually happened, If Mason Rudolph used the N-word like that, he doesn't mention it at all right after the game. You could mention it and and make it clear saying, look, I'm not justifying my actions. I was wrong. I'm sorry. But just so you know, it didn't just fall from the heavens. It happened for a reason. He called me a stupid N-word. Just so you know, that's part of the equation here. Again, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done what I did. I'm not claiming it was right. It was totally wrong. But just so you know, that was said. I can't imagine if it were said he doesn't say that in a post-game press conference. And the other part of this is, his story is, well, I didn't want to say it because I didn't want people to think that I was justifying my actions, and now... He's sitting down with Mina Kimes doing a full-blown interview going into great detail about the alleged usage of the N-word. You understand what I'm saying? That doesn't add up. If right after the game your idea is, well, I didn't want people to think I was justifying my actions, so I didn't want to say that he used the N-word. But months later, I'll do a sit-down interview and go into great detail about the usage of this word. It doesn't add up. I don't buy a word of it. I don't buy any of it. I think this is the PR team, the the lawyer-type influence of here's what we do. Here's the play. Like, listen to Alex Bregman. I'm shifting gears on you, but stay with me. The Houston Astros, right? Let's go back to him. Listen to how Alex Bregman sounds so unbelievably lawyered up when he's apologizing for the sign-stealing ways.
9: I am really sorry about the choices that were made by my team, by the organization, and by me. We as a team are totally focused on moving forward to the 2020 season.
8: Oh, my gosh. I mean,
9: right? Come on. The way he began it, this part too. I have some brief remarks that I'd like to share with (laughs) y'all.
5: Everything sounded so unbelievably stiff, and the lawyer's thumbprints are just all over every single carefully crafted statement to allow some wiggle room so you can't get painted into a corner. I don't buy any of it. And it's similar with Miles Garrett. He didn't sound as stiff and as rehearsed, but there are lawyer fingerprints all over that thing. There are PR fingerprints team fingerprints all over that thing. And it just, it doesn't make logical sense why you would do a sit-down interview, go into elaborate detail about this alleged usage, but right after the game, when everybody's criticizing you, coming after you, why would you do this? You acted like a moron, so forth and so on. You say, "No, I just don't want to say that because I don't want people to think I'm justifying my own actions. I don't believe them. I don't buy a word of it. It just doesn't add up. All right, let's hear from the crew on that note. It was a nice little happy note to just dive into the crew here with We got Ryan Bershinger, producer of this fine program, normally hosted by Jonas Knox. I'm Brian No, filling in for Jonas. Now, Ryan is a diehard Dodgers fan.
7: Terra guerra Ryan?
5: Yeah. How but- has this Apology Astros tour sat with you, Ryan Bershinger? Oh,
8: God. It, it was I was actually here uh, yesterday morning. I was the one editing all the sound clips from the from the press conference, so I I watched the entire thing, oh. and I I thought I was over it, but then after watching Jim Crane stumble through and just I, I it made me angry all over again. the the worst part or the best part, I don't know. I was I was kind of just incredulous over the whole thing. I was laughing my way through it because at first he says it didn't impact the series. And then the the very next question, like it's not even edited. In, it's literally the next question. He says, I, I never said that it didn't impact the game. Um, and then when uh, when Marley Rivera went after him and said, like, look, you you uh, just say that this is cheating. Do you think that this is cheating? And he wouldn't say it was cheating. Um, and then she goes, all right, well, then what are you apologizing for? Ooh, and he's nice. like, <laughs> he goes, well, we, we broke the rules. And she's like, but but if you don't think this impacted the game and you don't think it's cheating, then what are you doing? Like, yeah. what are you apologizing for? It, it's, it's clear that this impacted the game, that this really did have an effect on everything. So why are you apologizing if you don't think that's the case? Uh yeah it's 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 insane. Crane oh. made it so much worse, and he just looked like an idiot doing. it. Oh, he it. looked terrible. Yeah. And I,
5: I do think it's hilarious that the suits at Fox Sports Radio were like, "Let's get Bershinger on the editing <laughs> of this one here." Diehard Dodgers fan it has to s- sit through Jim Crane, yeah, and just it, bungling and mismanaging it. And oh, that's I would have been so irate. I'm a diehard St. Louis Cardinals fan. Mm-hmm. So if it was the Cardinals and the Astros and the Cheatin' Astros won in a seven game thriller and to hear
8: the Astros team owner
5: like mismanage it that way I would I'd be so angry right now.
8: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just kind of I'm I I was beside myself. I I was and with the players, like, with, with everything. And the fact that they even brought out Dusty Baker to answer questions. Every time Dusty <laughs> started to talk, I I was sitting there going, shut up and sit down because you have nothing to do with anything. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, wow. What, what are you doing, Dusty? I and, just
5: pictured Dusty in his own head mm-hmm. with Jim Crane, some of the dumb things he had said. I could just picture Dusty like, that's a mistake right there. Yeah. That's,
8: you, that's
5: <laughs> not the way to say that. That's not going to go over well. And he just, man, what a mess Dusty inherited, right? Yeah. Goodness, he just... He takes over this talent laden team, and it's just chaos out of the gate. That's a strange way to start a, uh, a, uh, a manager experience yeah. on a new team. That's wild.
8: And the, the, the audacity that he had to ask for forgiveness. Like Dusty Baker was the one who asked the baseball world to forgive the Astros. I'm like, give me a break. Come on. No. No, no. Why what No, nobody should forgive you guys. Like, this is ridiculous. So Yeah. I'm uh, with you on that. Yeah.
5: All right, good so I've got a hard hitting question for you. Literally, no mm-hmm. pun intended. Uh-huh. I've got a hard hitting question for you here in a little bit this hour. Okay. We got K Fig with us this
1: evening. Kay- Who's your baseball team, K Fig? So I grew up an Angel fan, uh, as a child, so um, I said to myself, funny enough, back in 2002 when they won a World Series, I am good for 20 years. They don't have to win again. Well, the clock is ticking. We're, we're inching up on that 20-year mark. So uh, see if they can get some uh, some action going with Joe Madden and uh, Anthony Rendon in the mix.
5: Now, the way you said it, you grew up an Angels fan. Correct. It sounded like you bailed on them somewhere. Is that false? Oh, not in the least bit. No, okay. Absolutely good. not. All right, good. You still die hard with them. 100%. Nice. nice. No. So this whole Dodgers fiasco, as an Angels fan, how do you feel about it?
1: Um, well, I just think as a baseball fan in general that it's awful, and I agree with all yeah. of the what has said. You know, what Cody Bellinger, you know, who went and hit him up style on the on Major League Baseball, <laughs> and, uh, and and the entire Rob Manfred and all of them. I agree with them. This is one of the, the one of the lightest penalties you can possibly give to someone, considering yeah. how egregious it was. I mean, you look at what happened to Manchester City and the kind of penalty that they got. And they didn't do anything nearly as bad as what the Houston Astros did, and they've essentially got a slap on the wrist. I know it. That's a great comparison.
5: I want to get to that coming up because uh, what you said right there, it is absolutely true. It's night and day the punishments. Uh, why don't you go into an update here, and I'll hear from Chris on the other side. K. Fig spinning spinning us around the sports landscape.
1: All right. Well, we'll start with All Star Weekend getting underway in the NBA on Friday night with the Rising Stars Challenge Team USA. Beating the world 151 to 131, Miles Bridges winning the MVP award. He scored 20 points. Trey Young had 18. Zion Williamson scored 14. RJ Barrett with a game high 27 for the world roster. Eight finalists for the Basketball Hall of Fame were announced on Friday as well. That list including the late Kobe Bryant along with Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett. Also making the cut so far are former coaches Rudy Tomjanovic, Kim Mulkey, and Bob Huggins along with WNBA great Tamika Catchings. In golf at the Genesis Invitational, Matt Kuchar with a two shot lead over Roy McElroy and two others after shooting a two under 69 on Friday. Tiger Woods did make the cut, however barely. He's in 45th place even par for the tournament so far. And news out of the NFL, the Redskins released quarterback Josh Norman, while the Ravens cut safety Tony Jefferson. Back to Brian No.
5: Man, I was way wrong about Josh Norman. When you thought he, he first was still good went to the Redskins. He was so good with yeah. the Panthers, you know? And he went to the Redskins. And there are a lot of people like, oh, this guy's overrated. This guy's not worth the money. And it's like, this guy's awesome. He he was not awesome for the Washington Redskins. It was very disappointing. We're coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio studios brought to you by Geico. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Now, Chris, I don't want to leave you out because uh, we were talking music over here. And uh, what do you want? Any hard hitting, in depth questions? What do you have? Just hit me well, with one. What I do you mean, have for me,
6: I I did want to comment on one thing that you said that every Ast- like you know when the Astros play every team this year, they should yeah. know at least one uh, some of the pitches coming. Yeah, I think they can all know one. One's going to come right for their batter there from every team, from every team, because every team's going to try to disavow their their own responsibility. I just you know, I'm a Detroit guy. I'm a Tigers fan. At the end of the day. But I just have to laugh because baseball's handled this so poorly. They just want this to go away. They, they've well, learned nothing from the steroid scandal. And they're just like, can you guys just please stop talking about this? And no one wants to stop talking about it. It's and true. I'll tell you, that's one of
5: the stranger musical questions I've been asked. But I'll go down this road with <laughs> you. I love what Alex Wood said. He was like, if it were a different era... They might get pegged every inning. Yeah, <laughs> talking about the Astros, <laughs> and they are. You're right. They're gonna have some uh, beanballs
6: headed their way, based on all this crazy stuff. You Darvish owes them at least one.
5: Yes. So. Yeah, there will be some retribution. Before
6: you move on, though, I do want to do one thing, and this involves the entire crew here because okay. Jonas Knox is taking the night off here from his show. You are in yeah. his, his his chair. Is he sipping pina coladas? Well, is this a Valentine's Day the, related
5: thing? What's going on with him?
6: Well, to set up my answer to that question, let me play you some audio from last week when I was in here, but Kevin Figures and Brian Bershinger were not, and Jonas uh, had some words for him. Let's take a listen to this. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it is sort of a, uh, it is fill-in night here at Fox Sports Radio
13: outside of Chris Perfett Um... Look, and I'll just spill the beans here, and I'm not trying to air people out, but it just, it has to happen. Ryan Bershinger is not on the show tonight. Uh, he is our executive producer, uh, slash this morning, tonight slash this morning. Look, it's nighttime in Hawaii and in California and in Alaska, but it's it's morning time in other places. Just, just bear with me. Uh, Ryan Bershinger is not on the show tonight. Um, now, the story we are supposed to give you here on the air, quote unquote, is that he's under the weather. The real story is, He's drunk. All right. He, uh, he He decided that it was better to bend the elbow than to turn on the microphone and be a part of this program. And then again, look, I'm not here to try and cause problems. Like, this is not what I want to do. I, I, I'm not here to try and air anybody out. Kevin Figures is normally uh, our national update anchor here at Fox Sports Radio. But Kevin also is not here tonight. And the story I'm supposed to give you is that Kevin is filling in in other places here on the weekend on Fox Sports Radio. So because of the quick turnaround, he couldn't be here. Um, He's in a contract dispute. Uh, That's really what's happening. uh, And he refuses to come back in and be a national update anchor here at Fox Sports Radio until they meet his contract demands, which are three years, 4.5 million.
6: So in the spirit of that, in the uh-huh. spirit of throwing everyone under the bus there, okay. the official story is Jonas was filling in for Odd Couple, and he's been doing pulling extra time here around Fox Sports Radio. The truth that's, the, that's the company line. That, that's right the there. company yeah. line. The truth is he got in a fistfight over some wings at Buffalo Wild Wings, and uh, he he's, he lost it pretty badly. So what's, what's the inside to,
5: story with that? Did he want to go all flat? Like Rob Parker, no, you and know B-Dubs what? B-Dubs was like, no, no, you can't do that anymore. And Jonas just lost it.
6: No, it was it's something. It was a conversation me and Jonas had on the air last week about uh, you know what you put on your wings. Is ranch acceptable to put on wings? No, and he is firmly anti-ranch. Yes, that's yeah. right. He ran into a pro-ranch wing person, and uh, there was some problems. Fist and now, now Jonas has to uh, take a little bit of break, and we'll see if he's back next week. What a moron! And we're left trying to spin this
5: for the masses, you know? We got to put on the, the company line and, oh, he's done fill-in shifts and things like that. And the real story is he's a maniac. He can't control his anger issues. It's been going on since he started at FSR, and they've done a good enough job keeping it off the radar. But push comes to shove, right? No pun intended. We have to let the cat out of the bag here. So I like where you're going with this, Chris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it needs to be said. Let the
6: truth. What's the saying? <laughs> what the tr- let the truth fl- fly free. I mean, this is a very yeah, so, yeah, odd yeah, there you way go. of talking about good. music. I'll just say that.
5: <laughs> let the truth be known over here. Okay, so uh, what are we looking at? Is uh, he doing three to five in the clink? Or is he supposed to be back next week here?
6: Uh, we'll see We'll see what county says.
5: Okay. By the way, do you go blue cheese?
6: Oh yeah, no, no, no. That's my that's my drop on this show. On usually with Jonas, we have you know everyone has a drop here. I've got this from Joey Diaz on the Joe Rogan show. See the blue cheese with wings, and go mother. F- <laughs> oh, blue cheese is disgusting. It is awful.
5: It's actually I it, it might be a punishment for Jonas getting into fisticuffs about wing issues. They might say, all right, instead of going to the clink for three years, you have to eat wings with blue cheese. Man, it's disgusting. What, are you likes that stuff? I'm neither. Oh, okay. No, I can respect neither. Yeah. Like, why do you need extra stuff? If you get wings with whatever your sauce is, I like sweet barbecue. That's my go-to. You go teriyaki, whatever. What See, do you that's it. But when, it, when it's
6: buffalo wings, though, blue cheese is fine. But, like, if you're doing barbecue, yeah, don't put extra stuff on it. I don't go buffalo wings. I don't, I don't go
5: that way. You mm. go that
6: way, Chris? Sounds like you go Sometimes.
5: that Sometimes. I don't go that way.
6: I like Asian zing a lot, too. Well, hey, man, this is a good musical
5: conversation.
6: Chris. Yeah, great musical it. conversation. Coming back with some Slayer later. <laughs> there you go. Now we're making headway. All right, hit me up on
5: Twitter if you would like. At the no show, N O E show is how you reach me. Coming up next, something that K Fig brought up in his update right around that. And uh, I just think that you have to put this story in an American context. I'll explain. I'm Brian, though, no, here on Fox Sports Radio.
4: Keep it locked
5: Now it's a party, Chris. That's what I'm talking about. I'm Brian though, here on Fox Sports Radio coming to you from the Geico Studios. You want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn at the end of your first year automatically. It's even more amazing because Discover's accepted at over 95% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2019 Nielsen Report limitations apply. I'm in my element here. See, you get rid of the tool... You get rid of that, just like pathetic attempt at music,
6: and you give me some Slayer. Now, now it's a show. You think this now is the first Sports Hog radio show where Slayer has been where Angel of Death has been played? I sure would hope not. By the way, by the way, <laughs> Brian Bershinger is behind me, and he is like phantom drumming. That's right, like, po- blast drumming to this. He's right about now. to start moshing. All right, <laughs> you're gonna have to
5: throw some elbows. You have to box him out from the controls in front of you, Chris. Oh, I'm used because to that. Bershinger gets crazy when you play Slayer. So does K. Fig. K. Fig. You know what? I think that's what is in K. Fig's head every time someone mispronounces his last name. Okay, like Kfig has this nice demeanor, but inside, in his mind, in his body, when someone calls him figures, and it's it's Kevin Figures, this is a Jonas Knoxism. You did this too, Chris, a little bit earlier in the show. I think that's. The soundtrack in K-Fig's mind when someone says figures instead of figures.
1: You know, Brian, it really doesn't bother me. What does bother me is when people say, like, oh, do people ever say it figures? I was like, yeah, not since, you know, ever since I was three, people have been saying that to me. <laughs> so if you don't say it figures and try to use it as some corny joke, then it, it happens. I'm fine with it. I got you. That's when you lose your mind. Yes, That's absolutely. Your point. absolutely. Don't say it figures. I've been hearing it for the last 30 years. I'm over it. I like it. Okay, now, Chris, you have a tweet here. I've been uh, working feverishly.
5: I'm trying to fill in admirably for Jonas Knox, and occasionally on Twitter we get some feedback. Some of it is is really good. Some of it makes me feel great. I I think we're going to get a dose of that. Am I right or am I wrong? What do we have here?
6: Well, let's see here. So, words getting out about what happened with the Jonas. Will PG says, if and when Jonas returns to the overnight show, I want a blow-by-blow report from him, also a reason why he lost. Texas TJ says, get well, bro. This is to Jonas Knox. Uh Get well, bro. The crew told us about the fight you got in at the wing joint, so uh, it's guaranteed I'm going to have to answer for it next Uh next week, and I'm already sweating bullets. And then um, Jeremy Hun keeps up with the tradition of mean tweets to Jonas here. Uh, a little more tame. Who is this bleep clown that's on? Where is <laughs> at the Jonas Knox? Now, usually, usually Jeremy, the mean tweets are about Jonas, uh-huh. not 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 looking for Jonas. But you know right. what? We're, we're working with it here. We're working with it
5: here. Okay, so I'm I've got I got mean tweeted by association, if you will, kind of like guilt by association, mean tweet by association. That's okay. Keep them coming in at the no show if you want to reach me or at Knox, if you want to tweet him talking trash about me, (laughs) filling in for him, that'd be fine. Uh, Because with his his steroid-like, you know, roid head type rage that he gets into, that type of temper that he has, you know, maybe that will get him right back into the uh, studio. Maybe that's how it it unfolds over there. Okay, now I got to get to this story. K-Fig, figures, not figures, He mentioned this in his update. Manchester City. Now they are the reigning Premier League champions. And they've received a two-year ban (laughs) from the Champions League next season. It had something to do with financial fair play rules. It's soccer. Who cares? right? I know in this country, it's funny because the world is like, Yeah! Soccer is awesome! And in this country, we're like, Yeah. It's, uh, it's all right, I guess. You don't have anything to do on a Tuesday evening. We're not invested. So I think what you have to do, you have to take this story about Manchester City, especially for the non-soccer diehards, and put it in American sports terms. I always think about this. When I see these crazy things happen in soccer games, you might see it on Center or on social media, where some lunatic lights a flare in the crowd at a soccer game somewhere overseas. And my reaction is probably like your reaction. For the most part, it's like, eh, well, well, crazy. What do you know? Soccer fan goes crazy again. But imagine if that happened here in the States. Just imagine at a random Bengals game or whatever, some crazed fan just has a flare going on into the crowd. Do you realize how huge of a story that would be? I just think if you put it in American terms, it changes things. So let's put this story with Manchester City in American terms. Imagine if the Kansas City Chiefs, they just won the Super Bowl, just like Man City won the Premier League. Imagine if the NFL was like, you know what? The Chiefs circumvented the salary cap. They will not be competing in the NFL for the next two years. Can you imagine How huge that story would be and the reaction to that ruling, even if it was the cheating Astros in all their sign-stealing ways, how mammoth of a story that would be if Rob Manfred was like, yeah, they're not going to be competing in MLB for two years. They just, you know, come talk to me in the 2022 season. Astros, you're out for two years. Hit it. That would be monstrous. And a team, Manchester City's a very popular team. Imagine if it's the Dallas Cowboys. America's team. They did something wrong, salary cap related, and Goodell just lowers the boom, swings the sledgehammer. No Cowboys for the next two years. So that's how I think you've got to consider this Manchester City story. You might see it as a headline, as a blurb, and say, eh, soccer, whatever. It's the fifth richest soccer club in the world. They're not competing for the next two years. They're going to appeal this. But as of right now, they're not going to be competing for two years. That is amazing. All right, coming up next from the Geico Studios. Houston Astros owner Jim Crane is rising fast in the jackass power rankings. Is he currently number one, though? Ah, yes, what's going on? hope you're enjoying your evening slash early morning. That's right after Valentine's Day, right? Yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting blend this late night where the uh, the evening prior is Valentine's Day. So I'm just picturing who's listening to the show right now. Like, what was the day like for the people listening? <laughs> Maybe you're working right now. I don't know, but hopefully it'll be entertaining no matter what the scenario is. So I want to get to this. I was thinking about the Jackass Power Rankings currently in the sports world okay so we're looking at individuals in the sports world that have either done or said some really stupid things and it depends on how you look at these situations how you gauge them it's a little bit like the nba mvp race there's no set criteria you might weigh things more heavily than i do and vice versa so the way i look at this I say, all right, what have you said that's really stupid or done that's really stupid? How often have you done it? If you have a bunch of little small stuff that accumulates versus one big thing that's really dumb, how do you weigh that? So this is what I came up with. My top three, up to date. You see the NBA power rankings? These are the jackass power rankings in the sports world right now. The three biggest jackasses. Number three, I still have, holding firm, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is a little bit like a movie. Follow me on this. Some of the movies in theaters right now, Bad Boys, did really, really well in the box office. Earned a lot of money. But as the weeks go by, it earns less and less, and it's starting to slip a little bit. But I still have Baker Mayfield there. That's the idea with Baker. He's like a movie that comes out, makes a bunch of money, but a couple of weeks have gone by, and he's slipping a little bit. He's not bringing in as much money, hasn't said or done as many dumb things lately, but he's got enough on the resume to still be at least in the top three of the Jackass Power Rankings. I've got him number three because we got all this stuff, right? Unsuccessfully running from the cops. That was before he was in the NFL, but in the NFL there's still a lot of stuff. Right, He's talking about Duke Johnson. Uh, He's mishandling situations left and right in the NFL. He's a proud card-carrying member of the could-care-less army. We all know it's couldn't-care-less, but that knocks him down a little bit. I got Baker number three in the Jackass Power Rankings. Number two, fast riser, rapidly rising up the rankings, Houston Astros owner Jim Crane. That's right. He's mismanaged this whole situation so historically bad with the Astros and their sign-stealing ways, saying, I don't know if it actually helped us or not, right? When you say something like that, when this mix exists, not only now but forever, and it's going to be thrown back in your face and back in the face of your organization time and time and time again,
7: You know, our opinion is, um, you know, that this didn't impact the game.
8: Did you say you feel like this didn't impact the game?
7: I I didn't say it didn't impact the game. (laughs) Oh, man. When it comes to
5: mismanaging this situation, when a World Series crown is tied to it, I got you number two in the power rankings. Yeah. Number one. Number one. Yeah, that's right. Still holding firm in the current edition of the Sports World Jackass Power Rankings, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is still fending off. He's given the Heisman pose to Jim Crane. Jim Crane did everything he could to overtake Antonio Brown. It was a solid effort. It was a true Good effort, but just not quite enough. There's too much on the resume of Antonio Brown. Too much on his resume. He's been on the apology tour lately. Of course, he had the recent social media post about Big Ben. Hey, man, I didn't know I I had it as good as I did. My bad, Big Ben. I know I said you had an owner mentality. (laughs) that Threw you under the bus and backed up and drove right over you again and again. But My bad. I didn't know how good I had it. Ah, this guy. Filming himself yelling at the cops and posting it on social media as if that's going to be good for his pursuit to get back into the NFL. This guy, he's easily number one on the jackass power rankings. Easily. So there you go. Your comments more than welcome. At the No Show on Twitter is how you get me. Number one, AB. Number two, Houston Astros owner Jim Crane. Number three, still holding firm, Baker Mayfield. Jackass Power Rankings. There you go. That was fun. I enjoyed that. I'm Brian Though coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote. Okay, in about 15 minutes, I want to talk about the guy that is the stripper of the sports world right now. That's right. There's a guy that's acting just like a stripper. I'll tell you about that in 15 minutes. Right now, though, I want to talk a little bit about the NFL draft. Now, we've got months before it unfolds, so I'm not going to get knee-deep into who's number three on my defensive tackle you know, power rankings list. <laughs> I'm not going to go there, but I wanted to talk about Joe Burrow. And I, I just have a public service announcement for everybody regarding the NFL draft. Joe Burrow, he's going to go number one to the Cincinnati Bengals. He's an Ohio kid. He was spectacular with LSU. He's going to go number one. But here's the thing to keep in mind. As we go through the next few months ramping up to the NFL draft, this happens every single year. And it should stop because it doesn't make sense. There are NFL fans that get so used to seeing all of these mock drafts that they think it's gospel. That they think, oh man, Joe Burrow going number one. It would be radically wrong to go with Tungavailoa or anybody else besides Joe Burrow. I see all these mock drafts. That's who the Bengals should take. They'd be out of their minds to take anybody else. That's what happens every single year. I will never forget this story. It's such a random story. But it is stuck in my NFL mind. This goes back a few years. There was an NFL draft, and there were all these mock drafts that had the Washington Redskins taking Morgan Moses. He's an offensive tackle. And I'll never forget in the first round, the Washington Redskins didn't pick Morgan Moses. And they showed a Redskins fan in the crowd there on the scene at the draft. And they showed him, and he's like, thumbs down, boo, boo. We don't want that guy. We wanted Morgan Moses, boo. <laughs> and I remember thinking, this guy doesn't know about Morgan Moses at all. He had never heard of Morgan Moses before the NFL draft, and more importantly, before all of these NFL mock drafts. He's just so used to the idea That he's heard time and time again leading up to the draft that, hey, the Washington Redskins, they need offensive line help. They should draft Morgan Moses. And then they didn't, and it turns into, boo, what are we doing? Why would we do this? This is crazy. Like, keep this in mind. There are first-round busts all the time. All the time. So don't act like an organization is so dumb, just completely inept to do something that doesn't match up with the mock drafts. The funny thing is, the Washington Redskins did pick Morgan Moses a little bit later in that draft, in the third round. I wish they would have shown that same fan who would be like, yeah, right on, man, best pick you could ever make. <laughs> it's just It goes back to the mock drafts. So, as we get closer and closer to the actual NFL draft, just do me a favor. Don't fall into the trap of thinking, that the mock drafts are gospel. I'll give you a great example here. A couple of years ago, the San Francisco 49ers, they had the number two overall pick, and they traded with the Bears. The Bears took Mitchell Trubisky, (laughs) number two overall. The 49ers moved back one spot, and they took Solomon Thomas. And leading up to the Super Bowl, this was a talking point because they could have, in that draft, taken Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes went number 10 overall to the Chiefs. Now, as an example of my point here, NFL fans get so used to these mock drafts. If the San Francisco 49ers, at number 3 overall, would have taken Patrick Mahomes, the reaction would have been, What are they doing? Who is this guy who's got a losing record over there at Texas Tech as if that's a football factory? That's the guy you're taking? It wouldn't have synced up with all the mock drafts, and automatically people would have thought it was historically wrong. And it would have turned out to be the best pick they could have made. (laughs) So don't get so tied to these mock drafts as if you think that's the only way it makes sense for it to shake out. Even last year with Daniel Jones, the Giants quarterback. If Daniel Jones was on more mock drafts to go number six overall to the New York Giants, the reaction wouldn't have been nearly as negative. But just because he wasn't he wasn't pinpointed to go that high in the mock drafts, when he did go that high, the reaction is like, what the hell are they doing? doing over here? And, and I got news for you. Daniel Jones might turn out to
3: be pretty good. It's possible.
5: So just keep that in mind. As we get closer to the NFL draft, there will be some surprises. There will be some shakeups. There will be some players that go much higher than expected. Don't fall into the trap that occurs every single year if a player is taken higher than then he was projected to be taken, the common reaction is, that's the wrong pick. What are they doing? They're out of their minds. If the Bengals took Tua Tungavailoa, I guarantee you, just because of the mock drafts and what's expected, if they took Tua, the reaction would be like, what are they doing? They are crazy over here. How can you possibly pass up on Joe Burrow? Tungavailoa could easily end up being the better NFL quarterback. Easily. So it, it blows my mind that the reaction is so negative, so you know, like critical when it doesn't sync up with the mock drafts. Just don't be that fan. Please don't be that NFL fan. Because shockingly, sometimes reach picks, they turn out to be great players. Last example I'll give you here. Travis Frederick just popped into my mind. Dallas Cowboys Center selected number 31 overall years ago. He was projected to be a third-round pick. I remember Mel Kuyper being like, I have a third-round grade on this guy. What are they doing? What are they thinking over here? He's been unbelievable in the NFL. He was out of the game last year, health reasons. But he's an unbelievable player. So some of these reach picks, they turn out to be great players. Some of these, like, quote-unquote value picks, guys that are expected to be drafted higher but fall in the draft, it's the same reaction. Oh, man, what a pick. What a pick. Look at the value they got on this guy. We had him going number eight overall. He went 27th. Oh, they got a steal. Like, if you get a steal on a TV, if it normally costs $2,000, but you get it for $300, man, what a steal. If you go home and plug it in and it doesn't work, how great is the value? (laughs) It's the same thing with NFL players. So just don't be married to the idea that these mock drafts make all the sense in the world, and this is the only way it can make sense when the actual draft rolls around. Just don't be that fan that overreacts. All right, plenty to get to 877-99-ON-FOX is the phone number if you want to hit up the show. You can also reach me on Twitter, at The No Show. Coming up next from the Geico Studios. This guy is the stripper of the sports world right now. I'll tell you who it is and what that all means.
3: I'm Brian No. Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip.
5: I'm Brian No here on Fox Sports Radio, coming to you from the Geico Studios, in for Jonas Knox, who has uh, not shown up for work tonight, because he got into a, uh, basically a brawl. Where was it, Chris? At a B-dubs? Who was wing-related? Yeah, Wing- we'll related go with that. incident? Yeah. We're supposed to say that he was filling in for the odd couple, and... It's based on him being a a great host here on Fox Sports Radio. That's the company. Works a lot, hustles hard. Yeah, it's how we're supposed to spin it. But just a peek behind the curtain, the guy's got anger issues. I've seen it. I've been in the studio. So my Saturday show is on right after Jonas's Saturday show. And so when I'm in town, when I'm in L.A., I'll see Jonas as his show's ending, as my show begins. And, uh, it's happened a few times. He's gotten in my face. This effing guy. Yeah, for no good reason. It's silly stuff, too. Like, uh, no, are you, are you plugging your headphones into my headphone jack? And I'm like, I didn't, I didn't know it was your headphone jack. And he got in my face, you know? This guy's a lunatic. So it's been going on for years. And hopefully, management, they will, again, look the other way because he's an exceptional talent. But, uh, I just hope that the anger doesn't cost him his career, you know? I think you'd be hoping for the same thing, right, Chris? You love working with Jonas. He's a great dude, as long as he's not raging against you and threatening physical violence.
6: Oh, no, no, he's a great guy. He managed to hold it in here. I just, I think sometimes when he gets out of here, you know, he watches a lot of UFC. I think that uh, affects how he thinks. (laughs) I think
5: you're right on that. I'm going to get to some tweets here in a couple of minutes, but uh, I mentioned that there is – an athlete in sports right now that is the stripper of the sports world. That would be Zach Levine of the Chicago Bulls. So, I don't know if you saw this, but a video surfaced of Zach Levine in a practice-like atmosphere, attempting a 360 dunk from the free throw line. Now, just in case you haven't seen this before, let me just read that one more time. He attempted a 360 dunk from the free throw line. And he didn't make it. He came very, very close. I think he could pull it off. But uh, to just attempt that, he took off from the foul line, did a 360, and almost jammed it. Unbelievable. I think he's the stripper of the sports world. Because think about this. What does he have in common with the stripper? Stripper gives you lap dance. You know, you're like, oh, wow, this is going well. She's like, you like this, right? And then all of a sudden, she's like, oh, my shift shift is over. Peace out of here, gone. And you're just like, what? Left out of nowhere, right? That's Zach Levine. Zach Levine is a Chicago bowl. The dunk contest is in Chicago this year, where all the all-star festivities are. He isn't competing in the dunk contest, but he's attempting, leading up to the contest, in a practice-like atmosphere, a 360 dunk from the free throw line. Just for the heck of it. Just for the heck of it. Teasing us. We got old man Dwight Howard, who's the biggest long shot to win this. Okay, Pat Connaughton, he's got some hops over there with the Milwaukee Bucks. But Dwight Howard, a former dunk champion, you shouldn't have longer odds than the white guy. Let's just cut through it, okay? You shouldn't have longer odds than the white guy. If you do, something's wrong. This isn't a star-studded field over here. We need Zach Levine in this thing, two-time champion. He's just teasing us over here. (laughs) He gave the collective sports world essentially a lap dance. It was like, "Oh, you like this, don't you? And we're like, yeah, nope, that's all you get. That's all you get! Me attempting this in a practice-like atmosphere. Now, I promised you I'd read you a couple of tweets. So I got a couple of here. Two logical checks in at the no-show. And I did my jackass power rankings in sports. Antonio Brown still holding true at number one. Jim Crane, fast riser. Houston Astros owner just barely, just barely under him at number two. So two logical tweets in with his jackass power rankings in terms of the show, the actual show jackass. He had Steve-O number one, Johnny Knoxville number two, he went Ryan Dunn number three. Steve-O was a legend. But there's no jackass without Johnny Knoxville. Based on principle, I think you, you gotta go Knoxville. He's a great entertainer. And essentially the creator the founder he was the guy doing all that stuff to begin with and and I used to see Johnny Knoxville at the gym all the time in LA so maybe that's tied to my power rankings here but I still still go Johnny Knoxville I would go to the uh I think it was called the Hollywood boxing gym it's on La Brea I don't know if it's still called that or something else but I would see randomly Johnny Knoxville there all the time on treadmills he was all he was always on a treadmill I don't know why. seemed like a really nice guy. He was always talking to people. I didn't say anything because I didn't want to bother him. I really didn't have anything to say. I think that's important. I'm not going to go up to someone and be like, hey, you're that guy from that show. If I have something to say, I'll say it. But I didn't, so I just let him be. He's always on a treadmill. Fun fact for you right there. Uh, Jordan checks in and says, speaking of the draft, who are you hoping the Dolphins get? I'm glad you asked that, Jordan, because... It sounds like Jordan knows that I pull for the Fins.
6: All right, Miami.
5: All right, there is one guy that they need to get, and that one guy is Tua Tungovailoa. Gots to get him. I think that he is a tremendous prospect. Yeah, the health stuff, I can understand it being a concern. Football is a violent game. (laughs) They always say this. The most important ability is availability. That's so wrong. That's not true at all. The most important ability is ability. That's how it should shake out in your mind. I understand they always say this. You can't help the club from the tub if you're injured. It doesn't matter what your ability is. If you're unable to play, I understand that. But I look at it the other way. You know who is available to play quarterback in the NFL? Tim Tebow. He didn't have the ability. I don't care if you're available if you don't have the ability. So I look at what ability you have instead of just how likely it is that you avoid injury. There have been a lot of injuries in the NFL. Tom Brady tore his ACL. Phillip Rivers tore his ACL. I know those are mostly stationary quarterbacks. I'll give you some mobile guys like Tua. How about a guy named uh, Donovan McNabb had serious injuries. Michael Vick broke his leg. He still ran around a lot. I'm not concerned about Tua's hip injury to the point where I'm like, don't draft him number five overall. Get away from him. Especially with the hacks that the Dolphins have had for so long. It's been forever since they had a legitimate quarterback. It's been since Marino. It wasn't even the 2000s. (laughs) Marino hung him up before the year 2000. Dolphins haven't had a legitimate guy in the 2000s. So yes, I'm swinging for the fences. I go to all day long. All day. Look at a guy like Eli Manning, another good example. He was available. If you look at his year by year stats, you'll see 16 games. 16 games. 16 16 16 starts. How is the ability? Left a lot to be desired. So, this whole thought of, oh, I'll just go with the guy that uh, he's going to be available. No. No. Give me the guy who has unbelievable ability, and hopefully you luck out and he's not in a cold tub throughout his NFL career, you know? But I look at ability more than just being available. I don't get hung up on that as as much as a lot of people do. All right, so we've got Kevin Figures, not Figures, Figures, here to spin us around the sporting landscape. You take it away, Kate Fig. All
1: right, Brian. We'll uh, go with the All-Star Weekend. It tipped off on Friday with the Rising Stars Challenge. Miles Bridges named the game's MVP. He scored 20 points for Team USA. Colin Sexton at 21 for USA. R.J. Barrett led all scorers with 27 for the World Squad. The eight finalists for the Basketball Hall of Fame were announced on Friday as well. Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett are headliners along with the late, great Kobe Bryant. Coaches Rudy Tamjanovich, Eddie Sutton, and Kuhn Mulkey also on the list, as well as former WNBA star Tamika Catchings. In baseball, tough injury news for the Cleveland Indians. Their starting pitcher, Mike Clevenger, will miss six to eight weeks after undergoing surgery for a torn meniscus in his left knee. He won 13 games last year and had a 2.71 ERA. News out of the NFL, the Ravens cut veteran safety Tony Jefferson saving themselves about $7 million in salary cap space. The Redskins cut cornerback Josh Norman. He was set to make about $12 million next season. And at the Genesis Open, Matt Kuchar with a two-shot lead over Roy McIlroy and two others. While Tiger Woods did make the cut, but he's currently in 45th place at even par for the tournament so far. Brian, back to you. You know, K Fig, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. This Miles Garrett
5: situation, we did the sit down with Mina Kimes right. and says, hey, Mason Rudolph, not trying to justify my actions. He called me the N word. Right.
1: Where do you stand on this? Do you buy what he's selling? To a degree I do because a lot of people, it's easy for us to kind of step back and not put ourselves in the heat of the moment in that situation and say what we would have done or what we should have done. Well, I would have handled myself in a such calmer way. I mean, you're in this situation where a guy is rip, ripping at your helmet, you're grabbing and swinging at something, and the first thing you grab is a helmet, and your natural reaction it could be like remember the whole Mike Piazza uh situation when yeah, the the bat, the thrown? bat was thrown and he said anything the pitcher said I thought it was the ball and it like you're an idiot <laughs> of course it wasn't the ball but your natural inclination is just like something comes into your hand you get a comeback or you want to throw it back I actually understood what he was saying and I think to a degree not to make excuses for Miles Garrett uh-huh. but when that word is said to you for people like Miles Garrett or myself it has a very, you have a very much of a visceral reaction to it an emotional reaction and you can almost get lost mentally. Right. And you just go just just strictly off of emotion. So I can
5: understand that. And you, you're not justifying it. You're just no. saying as an explanation. Yeah, you can and understand he sh- a guy losing it if that was said.
1: And I'm totally fine with he He should have been suspended for the remainder of the season, and he was. I And if the NFL would have decided to suspend him for the first few games of this season too, yes. I would yes. have been fine with it. That's right. Um, but I understand why he did it.
5: Should have been way more than that. By the way – My guy, Vontez Perfect, serving a (laughs) 12-game suspension. I know it's an accumulation. He's had a lot of suspensions and fines and all that. He's had dirty play in his career. But it was a helmet-to-helmet hit on Jack Doyle. Mm -hmm. Jack Doyle, who got hit, the Colts' tight end, after the game, he was like, I don't know what all the fuss is about. It was pretty much just a normal hit. And he got twice the suspension as Miles Garrett. Think about that. I know that Miles Garrett doesn't have the extensive history of wrongdoing that Vontez Burfict does. I get that. That's different. You know, what's also different. Vontez Burfict's hit on Jack Doyle compared to Miles Garrett taking Mason Rudolph's helmet and club- clubbing him in the head with his own helmet. That's vastly different too. I think it's a joke that Miles Garrett got half the suspension as Vontez Burfict. It's insane to me. But I disagree with you as far as that, K-Fig. I just don't buy him saying that Mason Rudolph called him the N-word. I think if that did happen, I think that he's saying it in the press conference at his locker right after that game. He didn't say it whatsoever. I have such a hard time believing that he's so far against the N-word. He doesn't use it with the A, the E-R, in his normal everyday life, with friends, He's not like, hey, what's up, Ben word. He doesn't do that at all. He's dead set against it. Yet, he's claiming Mason Rudolph said this, and he didn't let reporters know right after the game.
1: Yeah, and for the record, I was just speaking, if it was true that Mason did say this, because I tend to agree with you, because it wasn't until about two or three days after the incident that his first the first report came out where Miles Garrett said he called him the word as opposed to because he spoke to the media after the game. You're yeah. right. It happened that same night, that same day. So why didn't he say something then? So I was very skeptical of his reasoning behind that as well, but I'm just saying if it were to be said, uh, I would have I would understand why he would have reacted that way.
5: Yeah, I understand that for sure. It just seems like lawyer fingerprints all over this thing, right because it was that bad of a situation. Just think of it. the lawyer, the PR team, it's like, all right. okay, miles, so you ripped the guy's helmet off and hit him in the head with that helmet this is This is a rough one right here. All right, so let's think of options. Really, aren't any? Except, how about this? I know it's lowest common denominator, but he called you the N-word. Let's go with that. He called you the N-word. Let's—that's the game plan here. Like, what, how else? How else do you do you go forward with it? It just seems like a lawyer uh, got to him with that, but we don't know. We don't know. It's just hard to buy his stance based on the timeline. I just think you would have been at least telling reporters, hey, I overreacted. I'm not saying what I did was right. But he called me the N-word, just so you guys are aware of that. I think you would have at least said that. Okay, so I've got a question here for the producer this evening, Mr. Ryan Bershinger. He's a diehard Dodgers fan. Now, we've talked on this show extensively about getting punched in the stomach. Now, to bring everybody up to speed, I've had this strange desire. I was watching a boxing match the night of a show, and it was, uh, I can't remember who it was, but this guy just, he hit the other fighter right in the stomach, and the other guy just crumbled, right? And I'm like, I have this weird desire. I know it would hurt like crazy, but I want to feel how bad it hurts to get punched in the stomach like that. And people look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, I know, I'm crazy, but I kind of want to know. So we've talked about this on the show before, when I'm filling in. So I want to take it to another realm here, another section, if you will. Ryan Bershinger, diehard Dodgers fan. If you could legally punch anybody in that Astros organization in the stomach, For this whole sign-stealing scandal, Mm -hmm. who's the one guy you're choosing? Oh,
8: um, hmm, that's tough. Well, okay, it seems like (laughs) (laughs) it seems like Carlos Beltran and Alex Cora were the ringleaders, but Alex Bregman just bugs the heck out of me yeah yeah okay he's a hot <laughs> candidate
5: maybe Bregman right in the stomach boom take that <laughs> yeah.
8: I think it was uh, I think it was Keith Law pointed out on Twitter today that on MLB.com Alex Bregman is listed as uh six feet tall I don't buy that for a there's second no, there's I can't no even way.
5: imagine he's six feet.
8: <laughs> no really? look at him yeah he looks like he's probably like five seven or so there's no okay way. I'm not
5: talking you out of Bregman uh-huh but how about Jim Crane
8: Huh? I, after that press conference, he's he's very high up there now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
5: Okay. So, who do you pull the trigger on? Who are you punching in the stomach again? If it's legal, it's kind of think of a dunk tank. If mm. the Astros were like, look, we botched this apology so badly, to just try to get in your good graces, one layer of our penance, we're gonna have Ryan Bershinger hit somebody <laughs> in the stomach of his choosing. Are you going Jim Crane, Bregman, or someone else? Um,
9: mm,
8: I think, I think I'll, 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 I'll go with Carlos Beltran because it seems like he's the one Ooh. who organized everything.
5: Wow. Okay. Um,
8: it could just go straight to the top. And I think I, I also feel like he would be accepting of it. Um, in a way of like, yeah, you know what? I get it. I get it. Go ahead. It, it's fine. I think Bregman would take a swing back and Crane oh. would kind of feel bad. Uh, well, that's so. the
5: other part. It's kind of like a dunk tank. You, know, you throw the yeah. ball and try to dunk them. They, they can't retaliate. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about that. They're like, all right, this is what's going on. Okay, you represent fans <laughs> over <laughs> the landscape of Major League Baseball, Ryan Bershinger. You pick one out. I just love your your thought process. Of Beltron seems like yeah, it's okay. Go ahead, I deserve it. Punch me in the stomach.
9: <laughs>
8: yeah, I, I think at this point because he's 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 not been he's not been banned from baseball entirely, which he probably should have at this point. But uh, so I I think he would say, you know what, I, I got, I, I I understand, I get it. Just go ahead, you get one shot. That's fine. He's, I like it. He's retired okay. now, and he's he's put on a little weight there, so he's 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 probably he's got some padding. Safe. Yeah.
5: All right. Mm-hmm. Nice. Now, if anybody wants to weigh in, feel free to do so at the no show on Twitter. Who would you, as a baseball fan, especially if you're a Dodger fan, that's the next realm. But if you're a baseball fan and you could punch anybody in the stomach from that Astros organization because of this sign stealing scandal, who would you choose? Who would it be? We're coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. All right, coming up next from the GEICO Studios. It's the team you should be rooting against, and it isn't the Astros. I'll tell you who it is right around the corner. I'm Brian No, Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio.
4: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is.
12: Oh okay. hey. hey, What
4: the ladder, Oh Hi Zion. Williamson from his AAU teammate,
5: Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. I'm Brian No, in for Jonas. That was the Geico play of the day. courtesy of TNT. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. Fortunately, Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and auto insurance. It's a good thing, too, because having a home is hard work. Go to geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. Geico.com easy. Today's Geico Play of the Day comes to us courtesy of, as I previously said, TNT. John Morant with the alley oop to Zion Williamson. I know it was uh, it was quite the event on Valentine's Day. There were men across the nation that told their wives, their girlfriends, honey, I know it's Valentine's Day, but I I got to catch the Rising Stars game. Zion's in this thing. Come on. You kidding me? But that was, that was that was a great play. It went they went dunk contest at the end. I don't know if you've seen highlights of this, but Zion Williamson attempted 3 different dunks at the very end of the game and missed all 3. <laughs> he came up short on all 3 dunks. And I know you might look and be like, ah, it's embarrassing. What is he doing over here? I don't think he's going to get hammered for it, but I look at it differently. And when he's going, I've seen him do it many times, the between the legs dunk. A guy of his size, just to be able to do that, I've seen him execute it before. to To come that close. Tonight, it sounds like I'm grading on a curve and I'm with kid gloves and I'm so nice. This is Midwest nice. Like That was a great attempt by Zion. But really, that's how I feel is to have that type of athletic ability at his size, to be able to jump up in the air and even hit the rim, right? let alone have the ball go between your legs and almost pull off the dunk. His athleticism for his size is unbelievable. Okay, now I'm going to get angry. I'm going to be non-Midwest guy here for a second because there's something that just drives me crazy in the sports world, and that is load management. Now, I think this is more so on the NBA. I would look at load management similar to the hack shack You know how they used to intentionally foul players off the ball a lot more? Greg Popovich did this a lot. Other teams did it a lot. I don't fault the teams for using that strategy. I fault the NBA for not putting an end to it. They're just taking advantage of a loophole in the rules. So I think it's more on the league than it is individual teams. I think it's the same thing with load management. These teams that are taking advantage of it, I think it's more so on the league allowing it to happen. And you could say, well, Brian, what are they supposed to do? How are they supposed to know? Here's what you do. You threaten. You threaten with everything under the sun. If you rest healthy players, we're going to come after your draft picks. We're going to come after your money. We're going to fine you. David Stern did that to the Spurs organization. Half a million. It's been done before. That's the least you can do as a league. Threaten. Threaten. And that will decrease some of the lewd management going on. The reason I bring this up is because What bothers me the most about load management, it's pro load management guy that's just singing the praises of load management. Like, oh, this is just beautiful. This works like a charm. Anybody who's not doing this, any teams that aren't taking advantage of these tactics, you're out of your minds right now playing a full season and playing major minutes. and You have no chance come playoff time if you aren't managing the workload of some of these players. I think it's insane. And, oh, wow, lo and behold, Paul George. Paul George got banged up the other night again against the Boston Celtics. Hamstring injury. Now, he's sat out games, some due to injury, but others for load management. And for pro load management guy singing the praises, what do you know? Paul George is banged up again. It just bothers me when the positive effects are blown out of proportion about load management. Yeah, I'm not an idiot. Sure, it can help. All right? It can help decrease the likelihood of injury, it can keep players fresher come playoff time. I get it. I understand the positive effects. What bothers me is when those positive effects are greatly exaggerated. Drives me crazy. There are plenty of people that are like, it could extend your career by upwards of three years (laughs) and all that. I hate that. It drives me insane. And I think that you should be, if you don't have a dog in the fight, you should be rooting against the Clippers. That's right. If this is Lakers versus Clippers in the NBA playoffs, again, if you don't have a dog in the fight, you're not a Clippers fan, you're not a Lakers fan. You should be rooting against the Clippers all day because I don't want to see a team prosper after using load management to their benefit. I think load management is an acceptable version of PEDs. I really do. I think it's like a performance-enhancing drug. When you are sitting out games, while healthy, you are fresher for the playoffs, it's just like PEDs. What's the point of taking PEDs if you're an NBA player? It's for recovery. That's what load management is. And it's a, it's an accepted form of performance enhancing drugs. And I don't want a team to prosper that's do, doing that. I want the Clippers to crash and burn. I want them to lose. And it also drives me crazy that if they do win, that's all the takeaway is going to be is, oh, it's solely because of load management. Isn't this great? It's the wave of the future. All these other teams, they'd be out of their minds to not do what the Clippers have done. It worked last season with Kawhi and the Raptors, so forth and so on. No, I don't want a team that takes advantage of the rules the way they do. I don't want to see them win at all. It set a bad precedent. All right, coming up next from the Geico Studios, it's a hot take Following some hot garbage. I'm the Bri- I'm Brian, though. Keep it locked. Ah, what's going on, everybody? Hope you're enjoying your late night slash early morning festivities. Lots to get through here. We got to talk about those sign-stealing lowdown Astros. I love this story, man. This story is so great. You might not be the biggest baseball fan. Truth be told, I've fallen out of love. With baseball. I really like it. I really like it now. I used to love baseball. I love my St. Louis Cardinals, but baseball as a whole, I really like it. (laughs) And that's the truth. I've fallen out of love with it. But man, this story, I absolutely love it. There's so many layers to it cheating, wrongdoing, just horrible apologies. It's got everything. We've got some strong stances following. The hot garbage of the Astros. But let's start with the hot garbage of the Astros. And we'll get to Cody Bellinger. So, of course, you've heard it by now. The absolute fumble with Jim Crane, the Houston Astros owner. I'm telling you, this is the new school version of LeBron saying, not five, not six, not seven. You're going to hear two, this. Not Time. three, yes, not four, not five, not six. Why you, you cut it off before not seven? What you thought it was to for him to say not seven, that was too long? Is that yes. what was going on, Chris? Yeah, it was, it was too time
6: consuming. Too long. Yeah. Just right like this off. just like this tangent. Yeah. What? Just what? like this tangent that we're doing now. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. What
5: so expand on that. It's too what do you mean by that, Chris? What are you I mean electing? you should
6: get along to your point. Really? That's where we're going here. I, the clock is our enemy. I'm always I'm mindful of the clock.
5: Okay, Mr. Uh, drop Player over there. Don't play 90-second cuts. not and three, get...
11: not four, not <laughs> five, not six, not seven. And, and when I say that, I really believe it. You know, I'm not just up here blowing smoke at
5: none of these fans um, because that's not what I'm about. Okay, as many times as that was played on sports radio, I think this is going to be played quite often over the next, especially this year, next couple of years. Here's Jim
8: Crane.
7: You know, our opinion is, um, you know, that this didn't impact the game.
8: Did you say you feel like this didn't impact the game?
7: I, I didn't say it didn't impact the game. <laughs> oh, you man, that's just going to be brought up time and
5: time and time and time again. That just puts this all in in a nutshell. The cheating ways of the Astros and the clumsy apology also for Jim Crane to say this this is following the I I never said that check it out
7: I I didn't say it didn't impact the game basically you know as the commissioner said in in his report he's not going to go backwards it's hard to to determine how it impacted the game if it impacted the game and that's where we're going to leave it
5: it's hard to determine if it impacted the game That's what they're going with. So my stance is this. I would love for this to happen. It won't because Rob Manfred, he has no spine. But I would love for every opponent of the Astros to know what pitch is coming. And then we'll see if the Astros think it's an advantage or not. How insulting is this? I mean, just on a baseball level, I'm not an Astros fan, but as a baseball fan, it's insulting to sit up there and be like, yeah, we don't know if this actually helped. We don't know if it's an advantage. <laughs> it's like, what? How? How is this your defense? It, and that's the thing is we're all focused on Jim Crane saying, ah, it didn't help the game. And it's like, wait, you said it didn't help? I I never said that. Of course, that's what we're focusing on. But I focus on the follow-up. He follows it up with, well, Major League Baseball concluded, and our conclusion is too. Like We don't know if it actually helped or not. Yankees GM Brian Cashman, he said it gave the Astros a distinct advantage. Of course it did. His quote was, I definitely think it had an effect on things without question. Yeah, no kidding. They knew which pitch was about to be thrown. I think that's a greater advantage than being on PEDs. If it's door number one, knowing the pitch that's going to be thrown, and door number two, being on Royd's HGH, whatever, I would rather know which pitch was headed my direction. That's such an advantage for a major league hitter. And I think both are similar. Yeah, you still have to put the, the ball in place, still got to hit it and all of that. But that is such an unbelievable advantage. So to insult our intelligence saying, oh, we don't know if it even helped, that is obnoxious. Now I'll get you... The strong stance from one Cody Bellinger. In just a second, we're coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio studios. Brought to you by Geico. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. I'm Brian. No in for Jonas Knox. Who speaking of roids, we found out that he was in a rage at a wing joint, and that's why he's not on the show tonight. That's the uh, that's the inside baseball story. Peek behind the curtain. Of course, we have to spin it like well, he filled in for Chris Broussard with Rob Parker. He was on the Odd Couple, and you know he's got to do a show tomorrow, so needs someone to fill in tonight. That's not the real story. He's a, he's essentially a roid head over there. He's got this raging temper. But getting back to the Astros here and their cheating ways, right? We look at the Astros and Jim Crane mishandling this whole situation, right? The horrible apology. The crafted statement from from uh, Bregman, Alex Bregman over there is just a calamity, and you got Cody Bellinger, reigning NL MVP. He goes off on the Astros in their sign stealing ways. Listen to what he says here.
9: Thought the apologies were whatever. Uh, I thought Jim Crane's was weak. I thought Manfred's punishment was weak, giving him immunity. I mean, these guys were cheating for three years.
5: Okay, that's good. That's a good starting point. Rob Manfred, weak. Apologies, weak. He ramps it up here. He starts to, you know, accelerate. If he's driving a car, he's going about 45 right there, you know, from a stoplight. He he hits, up, hits the gas pretty good, but now he's revving that engine. He cranks it up to 70 easily. Here's more Bellinger.
9: You know, I think what people don't realize is, Altuve stole an MVP from Judge in 17. Everyone knows they stole the ring from us.
5: There you go. Now now we got some fire here. Now we got some. They're stealing MVPs. They're stealing the ring. Yeah, now we're working here. We got more Bellinger. Listen to this.
9: Personally, I lost respect for those guys. Um, I think I would say everyone in the show, in the big leagues, lost respect for those guys. That is the trump card
5: right there. When you say everybody in the league lost respect for those guys. I mean, really, when you look at winning a championship, it's not just about doing something that's incredibly difficult to pull off. All of these other teams, these tough opponents that you have to beat, these hurdles that you have to jump over, it's the respect that you gain league-wide. Compare this to the Chiefs. Think about all the respect that Andy Reid got. Just this outpouring of love. Way to go, Big Red. You deserve it. Been a long time. I'm so happy for you. Rose petals at his feet. Rose petals galore. That's not what the Astros are getting at all. And that stings. I don't care what they say. You work your butt off to win it all. And to get the respect that comes along with winning it all. And they screwed that all up. I think that, what Bellinger said right there, the league as a whole just lost respect for you guys. I think that cuts the deepest. And how about this, building off of that? The Washington Nationals, there's a report that they got tips from other teams on how to beat the Astros. That's right. These other teams, they called the Nationals to be like, hey, hey, we just got to gotta tell you something here. These cheating bastards over here, these Astros, yeah, they're banging on trash cans. They've got this whole sign-stealing system going on. You got to look out for that because they're going to try to do it to you guys too. There were teams alerting the Nationals about the Astros' cheating ways. The Astros' credibility is in the toilet. They have none. No credibility whatsoever. And to not have that respect and to have other teams who aren't even in the World Series reach out to the Nationals and say, just so you're aware, we don't want you to suffer the same fate we did. So just a friendly heads up, Those guys will cheat their rectums off, right? That's, wow. That's where we are with the Astros. Now, I will say this. A little bow on this whole thing. It would be the best scenario for baseball if the Astros made it to the World Series. It absolutely would. I'll tell you why. You've got a natural villain That drop that Chris played that took, I don't know, about a minute with LeBron. Not five, not six, not seven. What was so great for the NBA was that the Miami Heat, they were the villain. And it gave people a team to root against. Remember when LeVar Ball, man, that name sounds like it's so, that story was so long ago, but LeVar Ball, when Lonzo was still at UCLA, LeVar Ball was like, oh, he's going to win a national championship. No problem. Easily. I know it's going to happen. And there were a lot of people that rooted against UCLA just because of LeVar Ball in his mouth, right? So if you look at the Houston Astros, this is another realm of rooting against the team. They cheated. They won a title. They completely botched their apology. They're so hateable right now, just like Bellinger said. The... Like, Major League Baseball as a whole lost respect for them. Sports fans lost respect for them. They're so easy to root against. If they made it to the World Series, oh my gosh. That's just like straight out of WWE. That's the typical WWE wrestler that comes out and says to the crowd, you overweight, jobless... Sad excuses for human beings. Over, and everyone's just like, boo, boo. That's essentially what the Houston Astros are. They are the biggest heel in the sports world. And that would be tremendous for baseball if they made it to the World Series. Because the fans that aren't fully invested in rooting for or against the team, they would be if the Astros were there. They're such an easy team to root against. I think that would help the ratings. It would help the interest. It would help it just be part of a normal conversation on sports TV, sports radio. It'd be huge. I think the Astros making it to the World Series would be much bigger than the Yankees making it there. And the Yankees making it there would be big. But this whole dynamic with the Astros... Imagine if it's Yankees-Dodgers, how huge of a World Series would be. Take that and compare it to Astros-Dodgers. Oh my gosh. Yankees-Astros are Yankees-Dodgers. It's, it's not even close to the same storyline as Astros-Dodgers. So, if you're Rob Manfred, you shouldn't be hoping that the Astros go away. You shouldn't be hoping for an 85-win season. And they don't even make it to the playoffs. You should be hoping that they're in the World Series because that would absolutely be great. And it sounds crazy. It would be great for Major League Baseball if they make it there because it would give you a team that's the villain that is so easy to root against, but you're invested, and that's what baseball needs. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn at the end of your first year automatically, and it's even more amazing because Discover accept is accepted at over 95% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes, 2019 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. All right, coming up next, I'm at a crossroads about an upcoming concert. Tickets are high. I'll tell you about that story. And also this, the most overrated head coach in the NFL. I'm Brian No, in for Jonas. Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Brian Noe, here on Fox Sports Radio, coming to you from the Geico Studios. Yeah, uh, the Rage Show. So the Rage Against the Machine, they're going to be playing here in Portland. I do a weekday show, Monday through Friday here in Portland. And then I do my Fox Sports Radio stuff on the weekends. And uh, Justin Cooper, he's the producer for Ben Maller's show. He's going to be coming up here to Portland. Coop and I are trying to go to this show. We didn't realize that we weren't going to be able to put our future kids through college if we were to attend this Rage show. These tickets are astronomical, man. It's crazy. Coop actually scored tickets for 291 American dollars. I'm like, hey, man, whatever. We got to go see it. It feels wrong, <laughs> totally, to pay. I'm used to, I'm a metal guy. So these metal shows, I'd go general admission. You know, thirty bucks if that. And you go wherever you want to go. You're on the floor, no seats, free rain. And so it just feels so wrong, wrong to spend that much. We still don't have tickets yet. Because he got a call right after that. And it was some weird excuse. They were like, These are actually VIP tickets, they're not available. And the tickets are actually way more than that now. So uh I don't know, man. I'm at a crossroads. I gotta go see the show. I'm trying to think of uh outside the box ways to get there but it could be uh, hundreds of dollars to get onto that show. The weird thing about Coop is or the funny thing is, he already bought his plane ticket. <laughs> so he's he's pot committed at this point. He's got his flight to Portland trying to see this raid show.
6: We don't have tickets yet. So, I was actually on with him with Maller and he had like 15 minutes left if he wanted to cancel the flight and he was going back and forth. I think he I think he held tough. He held yeah. tough. He's holding out hope.
5: Yeah, I think he did. I didn't reach back out to Coop on Friday. um, But yeah, it's tough. All right, so here's my question real fast. I'll get to the most overrated head coach in the NFL. So the company I work for, NBC Sports Northwest, they have a luxury box at Moda Center where the Blazers play. That's where the concert's going to be for Rage Against the Machine. And so... I might be able to score, I don't know for sure, but I might be able to score a couple of luxury box tickets. Faux free, okay? But it's not the floor. And I'm so used to seeing, you know, heavy shows. And I would say that Rage isn't metal, but they're on the heavier side. It would be a rowdy general admission floor area for sure. I just, I feel wrong not being on the floor. For a head,
8: We're having some uh technical difficulties uh with Brian No. Let's go to uh Kevin, what's up? Uh, Brian was just talking about I actually I scored tickets. I I, I just paid ninety dollars. I'm gonna see uh Ramstein, Ramstein, the <laughs> do you really
1: understand what Ramstein is saying half the time? Because I can't. You pay ninety dollars to help yourself go deaf, burst Is that what's yes, going on?
8: Yes, yeah. Well, I'm I'm stoked because they have they have uh historic pyrotechnics. Okay. Uh, and and they haven't been to the United States in a, in a long time. So uh, I'm excited. That's gonna be at uh, the the Coliseum, I believe. Right. So, okay.
1: So, so you go more for the show experience than necessarily just the music in and of itself.
8: Uh, it depends on the show. I mean, I I go to a, a lot of uh, smaller shows here in Southern California, a bunch of you know club shows, and and I'll I'll see hardcore and metal stuff. Uh, but uh, for this one, this is more definitely for the experience. Absolutely. I mean, I yeah, I enjoy the music as well, but uh, this is. This is sort of a, uh, a bucket list kind of thing.
1: Now, there's more than a few bands that are like that. You may be too young. There was a, a group called Parliament back in the day. Uh, yeah, yeah. They had like 500,000 members. It was almost like, think Ku Klux. Uh, excuse me. Yeesh, I don't want to say that. <laughs> think Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. I don't know where the other one came from. They have a, It's a rap group with a lot of members. Mm-hmm. And so Parliament basically was for the Funkadelics. And so mm-hmm. they, they came out and had a bunch of lights and lasers and smoke. Uh, and you went, the music was phenomenal, obviously, mm-hmm. but a lot of people went just for the experience, for all the light shows and the fireworks and the pyrotechnics, and a lot of time, that could be more stimulating and more exciting than the actual music in and of itself. So so that makes sense. $90, though? Now, where are your seats?
8: I, I believe we're on the floor. Um, I, I don't remember exactly. My friend got them, but I, I believe they're, uh, they're floor seats, so that's it's pretty nice. Oh, okay, that's not bad then. Yeah. That's yeah. not bad at all. Not um, bad at all. It's coming up in September. at uh, do we have uh, Do we have Brian? Oh, back? I'm back, baby. Right. Yeah. I was asking questions.
5: I was like, Chris, what would you do in this scenario? And I got nothing. And I'm like, Chris, what's What happened to Chris? Where's Chris? Chris is gone. <laughs> okay, so, everyone's so, gone. Sorry, I missed that. So, what would you guys do? Would you go luxury box for free if the company was taking care of you for a show or for a heavier show? You got to shell out like a, a few hundred bucks to go on the floor. What would you do?
6: Oh, I'm cheap as hell. I'm taking
5: the free tickets. You're taking the free tickets. Every time. How about you, Bursch? What would you do? Now, ah, remind, mm-hmm. this is a heavy show. Right. This isn't just like, I saw Blake Shelton a couple of nights ago. <laughs> Believe it or not, I went to a Blake Shelton concert. It was pretty good. I liked it. I'm all over the place musically. But this is heavy, right? It feels right. wrong to not be on the floor in the general admission area. So what would you do, free or would you shell out hundreds of bucks to be on the floor?
8: I understand where you're coming from cuz I go to a lot of heavier shows and it it does it feels right when yeah. you're when you're it's just general admission but I I do that for a lot of theater shows and and smaller venues um when it's a when it's a big like stadium show like that I think it's fine to go ahead and take the free the free tickets in the box because yeah. uh because there there is a difference between a uh, a general admission floor for a stadium show and a theater show, you know, so.
5: I think this too, mm-hmm. this is something else to consider. And I didn't know you go to metal shows or heavier shows. First off, props for that. I didn't mean to bury the lead, Ryan. <laughs> That's awesome news right there. Oh, but of um, Coop, Justin Cooper, Ben Maller's producer, he's flying here from LA, flying to Portland. And he's got two buddies that are coming along also. So it's supposed to be the mm-hmm. four of us. Mm-hmm. And so I checked with work today. And if they have, they might have a couple of seats in the luxury box. So I can't tell Coop, like, yeah, I scored two tickets for the luxury box. You can't go on to the floor. So how lame would it be for Coop to tell his buddies, like, hey, I scored this free ticket in the luxury box with no. You guys got to spend all your money, and we can't come down to the floor where we're all going to be together for this show. So – you know what like our hands are sort of tied when it comes to that i think we got to shell out the money and all four of us
6: are on the floor that's the way it's got to go
8: yeah yeah that's a good point i i I see your conundrum
6: i think i think for me too i'm you, you know i i go to metal shows but i'm not used to going to them at any kind of big venue all the metal shows i've gone to have been like small bands down in georgia where it's 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 literally it's a rundown bar and you know there there is you know you it's $20 Twenty dollars to get in at, at at the at the at the door, or whatever. But then the whole bar is just the is that just the mosh pit or something? Like, I'm so foreign to the idea of anyone playing
5: in, in a surprised. stadium. I'm surprised
6: you haven't been in a small arena at least to see no, a concert. No, I I I never had the money to spend on live music. I just I never did the one the biggest show I think I've been to in my life was in Vancouver, I went to a Flogging Molly concert at one of the ballrooms up there. But oh, wow. I've, never, I've never really been in like an arena or a stadium yeah. for a big show like that. All right, so
5: K-Fig, you got to weigh in on this one too, man. We can't leave you out of this discussion. By the way, have you, have you gone to see heavier bands? What's the heaviest band you've seen, K-Fig? The
1: heaviest band? Yeah, I don't know if yeah. I've ever seen any band that you would describe as heavy, to uh, be honest.
5: K-Fig, do you want to come up with Coop to the Rage Show? If, you if want I can to make get, it like five of us here, yeah. If
1: I can get one of those uh, free luxury box seats that you guys, <laughs> if you guys want to go to the floor, I'll be free, happy. Free, free. I'll be happy to take the free seats in the luxury box. Cool. Okay. Well, you already answered my question. You're going to go
5: with the free route. Is there? Let me ask you this: Is there an artist? Is there a group? Is there anything that you would consider spending money to be on the floor for, as opposed to taking the free luxury box seating?
1: No. No one. No, I don't feel the need to have to be that close. I can exp- I can, especially if I'm, and depending on what type of concert it may be, people might get get rowdy on the floor and start yeah. stepping on you and pushing each other. Yeah, now I'm sure some environments, maybe the show you're going to, uh, uh, it's encouraged. Yo, yeah, um, not my vibe. No, no not my vibe. I, hey uh, man, I
5: can understand that. So, and if it that.
1: if it works for you, then by all means, cool. But yeah, that, that doesn't work for me. I, I I like my personal space. So. I, don't I got you. Well, this is me.
5: not the concert for you. Yeah, this is not the the especially the general admission area. Yeah, it's not the yeah, it's not the place for uh, trying to like you know, kind of sprawl out and having your safe zone. That's yeah, not going to be. But if deal. I'm in
1: the luxury box drinking a mint julep, I'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> I
5: like it. <laughs> All right, so uh, K Fig, we need you to spin us around the sporting landscape. Can you do that for us, man?
1: Absolutely. Friend? By the way, I heard tickets for the All Star Game. If you wanted to go on Sunday, only four thousand dollars. Wow. $4,000 for an All-Star game in the NBA. For, so,
6: like, for, for a dollar?
1: Yeah. Just regular tickets? Regular admission tickets for the All-Star game.
13: How? How, how my, are
1: they? I, I, my guess is maybe because they know how they're dedicating the majority of the night to Kobe Bryant, and maybe people think it's going to be an experience. But wow. that is the, expen- the most expensive ticket in All-Star game history at four grand, based on one uh, ticket broker.
5: I cannot believe that. Yeah, that's, that's like... So you could get some Super, that's Bowl, Super Bowl money for something like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. On the weekend of the Super Bowl, I remember doing a story. I believe the cheapest ticket was about four thousand and ninety-five or something like that. Almost five thousand yeah. dollars. So yeah, that's right on par with the Super Bowl ticket to see the NBA All Star Game. It's wow, unbelievable. Man, why? Of all things to see, that would not be high on my list. Not in the least bit. Even with the new quirky format, which I have no idea how that's going to work, I, and that's just weird. Yeah, <laughs> the,
5: the format's odd. Yeah, okay,
1: a l- lot of oddness. Now I don't know how much tickets were for the uh, for the rookie sophomore game, which has now been rebranded as the Rising Stars Challenge, but that took place on Friday night and that kind of kicked off the entire All Star Weekend festivities. Team USA did beat the world one fifty-one to one thirty-one. Miles Bridges won the MVP award. He scored 20 points. Trey Young at 18. Zion Williamson, 14 points. R.J. Barrett at 27 for the world roster. The Basketball Hall of Fame finalists were announced for 2020. There's eight members, or eight people on the list, I should say. It includes Kobe Bryant, along with Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett. Former coaches on the list include Rudy Tomjanovich, Kim Mulkey, and Bob Huggins. Golf at the Genesis Invitational on Friday's second-round action. Matt Kuchar, he has a two-shot lead over Roy McElroy and two others. He shot a two-under 69. Tiger Woods made the cut. He's in 45th place. He's at even par for the tournament. And news out of the NFL, the Redskins released cornerback Josh Norman. Ravens cutting safety Tony Jefferson. Back to Brian No,
5: Thank you, K. Fig. We're coming to
1: you live from the Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by
5: GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more. On car insurance with Geico, go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. I wanted to mention this, building off of what Kay Fig said right there, with the Washington Redskins releasing Josh Norman. It leads into this. It's Washington Redskins related. The most overrated head coach in the NFL. You know who it is? It's Ron Rivera the former Carolina Panthers head coach. He's now with the Washington Redskins. It's funny because when Ron Rivera was hired there, the mainstream reaction was, good good hire, good hire. Oh, Ron Rivera, oh, you heard from players. Oh, love the guy. Josh Norman sung his praises. Other people sang his praises. Oh, this guy, yeah, players coach, love him. Love Ron Rivera. He's got three winning seasons in eight full years at Carolina. Three out of eight. That's not good. So, and the the one time he got to the Super Bowl, it was the MVP season of Cam Newton. Cam Newton took Ron Rivera to the Super Bowl, not vice versa, not the other way around. And this is the best piece of information. Ron Rivera, his record in the NFL, 76-63-1. and Jason Garrett's? 85 and 67. So I'm sorry, this is a bunch of numbers. It sounds like well, wah, 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 wah. winning percentage. Let's make it easy. Jason Garrett, just under 56 percent. He's won about 56 percent of the games he's coached in the NFL. Ron Rivera, with Carolina, he's under 55 percent. How about that? Jason Garrett has a better winning percentage than Ron Rivera. You know, Jason Garrett, the guy that everybody talked trash about and said, this guy stinks, get him out of here. They've had a lack of playoff success. They have all this talent on the roster, and yet they don't do jack. <laughs> like That guy, basically public coaching enemy number one in the NFL, according to most fans. That guy has a better winning percentage than Ron Rivera. And Rivera was the guy, when he landed the Redskins job, the common reaction was great hire, great this guy. Oh, great hire! Absolutely, take your hat off. Disciplinarian, they need that. They need a backbone. He <laughs> said, it. "Got a worse winning percentage than Jason Garrett, who people couldn't wait to see get a pink slip." I know the difference. Okay, Ron Rivera made it to a Super Bowl. That that makes all the difference. They lost the game. Okay, if you look at playoff records, Ron Rivera is three and four as the head coach. Jason Garrett. Two and three. Not a world of difference. So when you talk about the most overrated head coach in football, it's Ron Rivera. And nothing is going to change with the Washington Redskins. I hate to say it. I'm not rooting for it. I'm just a weatherman giving you the forecast. That's all. It isn't personal over here. It's not like the weatherman is saying, chance for thunderstorms, yes! (laughs) He's just reporting the What's going to happen? That's all I'm doing. Nothing is going to change for the Washington Redskins with Ron Rivera as the head coach. Nothing. It's going to be three, four years of mediocre results. Okay, halfway good season. Yeah, yeah. And on to the next head coach. That's the way it's going to go. I'm just telling you. Okay, so... uh I got to get to uh, a tease that I did that was pretty horrible, okay? So this was me at the end of last hour um, because we have in the business, it's called a hard out. So you have to be out by the second. And so I'm over here in Portland, and Chris is there in L.A. So in my headphones, he'll give me a countdown. Now, Chris's countdown is a little bit different. He kind of has the sound that the world is about to end. Right, like it's a sign of the apocalypse. Like we're about to get
6: hit by a meteor at any second. Technically, our world is ending. You know, for that hour, and then we're back with you in a few minutes. True, but I mean life. I mean civilization
5: as a whole. You kind of have that <laughs> feel. To- Chris is more like five, four, three, two, and it's it's difficult, right? It threw me off a little bit. So here's how the T sounded, which was really bad. Check it out. All right, coming up next from the Geico Studios, it's a hot take following some hot garbage. I'm the Bri- I'm Brian. No, keep it locked. I almost said I'm the Brian. No, that's how Brian flustered Noe. I was with Chris. It is five, four, three. That that's how it went down. So I'm gonna try to be better. I know what's coming now. I'm bracing for meteoric impact with Chris's countdown. And I will try to do a much better job. But I find that funny. You do a tremendous job, Chris. I'm not throwing you Thank under you. the bus, even though your countdown is crazy. You sound like a <laughs> lunatic. But, but, you know, otherwise, you do an outstanding job, man.
6: Now you know what I Well, you know what it is, because, you know, I'm on with you and Andy Furman. Now you know, like, that's how I'm keeping Andy in line. I have to be that forceful with him. I've got to make sure he knows.
5: Okay, all right. You've got to lay down the law, is what you're saying. I got that. Okay, All right, coming up next from the Geico Studios. I I never bought the skepticism for this team. And the up-to-date odds prove I was right. I'm Brian No, Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio Studios. Brought to you by Geico. I'm Brian No, In for Jonas Knox. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn at the end of your first year automatically. And it's even more amazing because Discover's accepted at over 95% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com/slash. Yes, 2019 Nielsen report. Limitations apply. Okay, so I'm gonna get to a funny message. <laughs> it's a power rankings of the best personalities on year, uh, on the air. Uh, this is from Ron. I'm going to get to that momentarily. It's just a random Facebook message I got. I just saw it uh, in the, a couple of minutes ago. So I thought it was uh, interesting. It's very timely, if you will. I'm going to get to that in just a couple of minutes. But uh, I saw this, the odds to win the NBA championship. We're entering the All-Star break, so these are the updated odds, according to Caesars. Best odds, Lakers. Minus 180. The Bucks are at plus 275. I just, I never understood all of the Lakers skepticism before the season started. Do you remember that? I just heard that all the time. Oh, the Lakers, and I just, eh, the bench, the role players leave a lot to be desired. Yeah. Yeah, you got LeBron and AD, but, 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 the lack of depth. <laughs> I thought those people were crazy. And so the Lakers have the best odds to win a title. I think the Bucs are going to win it. I think a lot of people are sleeping on the Bucks because Giannis is not a charismatic personality. A little bit of a Tim Duncan feel to it, if you will. We didn't go... Gaga over Duncan, we weren't drooling over elbow jumpers and banking it using the glass, right? But he was an unbelievable player, and he was winning titles left and right. I look at Giannis as being similar to that. He's an unbelievable player, but he's just not interesting to talk about. He's not a dynamic personality. And you're in the winning business. You're not in the personality business. So this isn't a knock. I'm just saying, I think that he gets lost in the shuffle because he isn't one of those big personalities, larger than life, that sort of deal. But I think that last season, ending the way it did for the Bucks, with the Raptors just packing the paint and saying, Giannis, you're not going to attack the rack and live in the paint. You're going to have to shoot jumpers. Oh, you can't shoot jumpers. Ha, huh, we win. I think that helped Giannis grow. I think it'll help the Bucs grow. They are crushing it this year. They're the best team in the East easily. And I see them going to the NBA Finals and winning it. I would go with the Bucks. But if you focus on the Lakers for a second, it was strange that the Lakers were looked at really how Westbrook is looked at. If you look at Russell Westbrook, it's like, oh, he doesn't do this right. Oh, he doesn't shoot a high percentage. Oh, the decision-making leaves a lot to be desired. And it's like, oh, yeah, I guess he could go for 41 pretty much any night or give you a triple-double pretty much whenever also. But but all these decisions and these bad shooting percentages and negative criticism, negative criticism, people – mainly look at what Westbrook doesn't do well instead of what he does do well. And that's how the Lakers were looked at before the season started. Largely, they were looked at what they don't do well, what they're, where they're susceptible, instead of their strengths. They've got LeBron and AD. <laughs> you talk about strength right there. And I thought that the role players were glossed over. Danny Green is a good role player. I know JaVale McGee did a lot of weird, goofy stuff early on in his career. He's a good role player. And Kuzma, he's trying to find his niche, his role. He's not quite comfortable with this squad, but he's still a scorer. He's not a bad role player at all. So I think that the Lakers were completely undersold before the season started. I'm Brian No here on Fox Sports Radio. So this random Facebook message that I got. I just saw it a couple of minutes ago. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because I think it's funny. That's it. Just keep that in mind. I just think it's funny. So Ron writes in and he ranks his best and worst personalities on the air. Okay? So he's got this. Best personalities on the air. Number one, Ben Maller. Okay? He must be part of the Mallor militia. That's nice. Number two, Skip and Shannon. Number three, Mike Flores. I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be Mike Florio. (laughs) Unless I don't know Mike Flores, but number four, Rob Parker. Number five, Brian. No, I made Ron's list of best personalities on the air. Now, just strictly because I think this is funny, he ranks the worst. Number one, Chris Broussard. I would absolutely disagree. I've done shows with Chris. I love Chris. Chris is awesome. Continuing with the worst. Number two, Chris Sims. I interview Chris all the time on my Portland show. He's awesome. We did weekly interviews during the football season. I love Chris Sims. He's great also, so I disagree with Ron. Number three on the worst, Colin Cowherd. Colin Cowherd is an amazing personality. I think he's crazy there. Number four, he's got Dan Patrick. And coming in at number five, according to Ron... Worst personalities on the air, Jonas Knox. (laughs) He put Jonas five. Now, his explanation, I just think this is funny. This second guy. Yeah. I agree with Jonas Knox's opinion on the replay system. 100% love it, and I don't care how long it takes to get it right. But Jonas Knox is a D bag. (laughs) And so thus. Ron has Jonas ranked at number five. I, here's my thing. I do not understand the negativity for Jonas. I do not. There are plenty of people that love him, and I think those people make a lot more sense. I think that it's mostly a gag on those over-the-top negative tweets, but to, this is a, a personal message. This is just a direct message to me, and he's trashing Jonas I don't get that. I we I gotta talk to the crew on the other side about why there is this like uh, vehement reaction against Jonas. This doesn't make any sense to me. All right, coming up next, one of the uh, horrible parts of the Astros continuing to screw things up. Ah, uh, what's going on, everybody? Hope you're enjoying. Gosh, what day is it? Your early Saturday morning festivities. That's my old stomping grounds. Doing weekend overnight radio. That's great to be back. I'm just filling in for uh, Jonas. He's doing some fill-in work. That's the company line. Yes, fill-in work. But some inside information about him uh, losing his cool at a wing joint. Yeah, I know. The raging, raging temper that old Jonas Knox has. This effing guy. Yeah, see, he comes across in a nice way, but he's not—he's not nice. He's crazy deep down. But uh, that's how he rolls, you know. I'm done It'll, with
13: balls. Period. Yeah.
5: <laughs> Hopefully, he won't have any uh, fisticuffs, any crazy events before next week's show, and he'll be back and be ready to go and everything. Okay, so um, the Astros—kind of a big story right now. Is there a big story? Their cheating ways and their horrible apology. But it's got all kinds of legs here. Now, there's just one other layer that I wanted to discuss because they've screwed this thing up so badly that some of the, I don't know, B side screw ups, if you will, they get lost in the shuffle. And I think that's a shame. It shouldn't just be Jim Crane, the Astros owner, saying, that didn't help the games. And then the question, are did you just say it didn't help? I know oh, I never said that. You just did. We are recording this, Jim. What are you talking about? That's the headliner. You know, if you go to a concert and there's the headlining act, that's the main attraction. Sometimes you go and there's a really good warm-up band. There's a really good show before the headlining act. It's sort of like it is with the Astros or the fight game. If you see this Epic fight, right? Like the Tyson fights back in the day. Sometimes the undercard was really good. Or if you take the upcoming Wilder-Tyson-Fury fight, hopefully they'll have some good fights on the undercard. Same thing with MMA. That's what I think it's like with the Astros. Jim Crane, his comments, that was the headlining event. But there's other parts of this where they're still screwing stuff up royally. And I just get so much enjoyment out of it. Because here's the reason why. The Astros, based on their cheating ways, they made their opponents twist. Think about the Dodgers and coming oh so close to winning a World Series and not winning it and having to twist with that reality. For years, that isn't embellishing anything. That's true. That's what happened. So to see the Astros, the roles reversed, and now they're the ones twisting, it is beautiful. It is just a beautiful sight that they're making life more miserable for themselves. It's awesome. So this is something that is getting lost in the shuffle. This is a common theme when it comes to the buzzers. Were the buzzers used? Yes or no? Listen to how the answers are crafted in a specific way. Let's start off with Jose Altuve. What he says to that question: Did you guys use buzzers?
1: MLB did their investigation, and you know they didn't find anything. You know they they found what they found, and in
9: in 2017 they really good investigated. Obviously they did an investigation on on the buzzer. They didn't find anything. So, you know, when you said you don't believe that I didn't have a buzzer, you don't believe in what MLB investigated, So,
5: Interesting. Okay. So, pretty easy to follow that. Jose Altuve says, hey, MLB did this grand investigation. They didn't find anything. So, there you go. There you have it. Now, listen to this. You'll hear it. It's a common thread in these talking points. Here is the Houston Astros owner, the infamous now, Jim Crane. Listen to what he says. Uh, The
7: commissioner addressed that in the report, and and I'm confident it's accurate.
5: Okay. So he's asked about buzzers, and he says, well, MLB, they did this report, and uh, there you go. There you have it. One more. Former Astros manager, A.J. Hinch. Listen to how, how he answers this question from MLB Network's Tom Verducci. Can you assure us there were no buzzers or anything like that being Well, used? the commissioner, we got investigated for three months, and the commissioner's office did as thorough an investigation as anyone could imagine was possible. I mean, I know he mentioned the, the emails and the texts and the messages, um, and I believe them. <laughs> it is so lame and weak and I'll explain why. If someone accuses you of doing something wrong that you didn't do, your response is, no, I didn't do that. Okay? Take, for instance, here's a good example. The situation with Miles Garrett clubbing Mason Rudolph over the head with his own helmet. Okay? Miles Garrett Shortly after that happened, he played the race card. He was like, yeah, Mason Rudolph, he called me the N-word. What did Mason Rudolph do? He went out immediately and said, no, I didn't. That's garbage. It didn't happen. He didn't cite the NFL. Most recently, Miles Garrett did a sit-down interview with Mina Kimes. said, hey, called me the N-word. Mason Rudolph didn't say, well, the NFL conducted a full investigation and they concluded that I didn't use the n-word so there you go you wouldn't cite an investigation you would just say it yourself no I didn't say that in Mason Rudolph's case or in the Astros case if you didn't do it you would just say no that's garbage we didn't have buzzers but for them to cite the report it is so lame That's just not how you behave if you're innocent. If one of the guys on the crew tonight accused me of doing something wrong, if I happen to be in L.A., I visit L.A. occasionally, if I was in the same studio and Ryan Bershinger was like, hey, Brian, uh, I'm missing my headphones. Did you steal them? I wouldn't say, well, KFIG... He did an elaborate investigation based on your claim that I stole your headphones. His conclusion was that I didn't. And I would have to agree with his assessment and his investigation. (laughs) I would just tell Ryan, no, dude, I didn't steal your headphones. That sucks, but it's not because of me. You know what I'm saying? You don't cite an investigation if you're innocent. You just say, no, we're innocent. We didn't do this. And, oh, by the way, Major League Baseball arrived at the same conclusion. But just because you got to be uber careful and the lawyer's fingerprints are all over this one, it's like, hey, hey, don't say, no, we didn't do that because that could leave you in a bad spot. Why? Why is that? Well, because it isn't a certainty that they didn't do this. So they're being very careful how they weave around things. And, oh, well, uh, the Major League Baseball investigation, it they concluded we didn't do this. So that I have to agree with that. And then if it comes out that they did use buzzers, then you're sitting there saying, well, we just agreed with Major League Baseball. Don't look at us. We're practically innocent over here. It's Major League Baseball. They're the ones that screwed this thing up. It is such garbage. Such garbage. The Astros have no credibility. They're lying weasels on top of being cheating weasels. It's one thing to cheat. It takes it to another realm when you lie through your teeth and you insult our general intelligence. (laughs) To sit here and try to spin this and sell it like oh, we don't know if it's actually an advantage do you know how brain dead you'd have to be to buy that really how could you say that with a straight face thinking it's going to help you guys it's unbelievable, it's crazy we're coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance, visit GEICO.com For a free rate quote. I'm Brian, though, in for Jonas. I got a tweet here. iJedi2 checks in at the no-show and says, So tell me, does Bellinger have an answer why his team got blown out in Game 7 at home? And what was the reason his manager made the same mistake two years in a row in the World Series? Okay, so I see where this is going. This is essentially, oh, here we go. Another talking head talking about the sign stealing Astros and hey, it isn't only about their cheating ways. That Game 7 win was on the road in LA. So how do we even know they were cheating in that game and uh, what about Dave Roberts and his shaky pitching decisions to leave guys in the game and not go to the bullpen and all? okay. Let's not make it more complicated than it needs to be. How do we know that it even gets to a Game 7 if the Astros aren't cheating. You know what I'm saying? You could sit here and be like, well, Dave Roberts isn't the best manager of all time. Agreed. (laughs) I get that. No doubt. But to make it sound like, hey, you're channeling your inner Jim Crane at this point. How do we know that cheating gave him that big of an advantage? And stop just solely focusing on the cheating and... Look at the other factors at play here. How do we know that the Astros don't end up winning it anyway? It's like, come on. Let's not dumb it down to that level. To make it sound like knowing what pitch is about to be thrown is the equivalent of driving five miles over the speed limit. That's not what happened at all. That it's, what the Astros did is far more
8: egregious
5: they're, like setting, they're acting like they're driving on the Autobahn when they're on the 405 in L.A. And it's around a speed limit of 70, you know? They're driving 172 with what they're doing, stealing signs, banging on trash cans, possibly having buzzers, lying through their teeth, saying it might not have been an advantage at all. Really? Come on. We are not focused on the wrong thing when we're primarily focused on the Astros and their cheating ways. One other thing I'll say about this. It shows how great of a team the Dodgers had. Think about that. For the Astros to be cheating the way they were, and for it to be a seven-game series, that just shows how great of a team the Dodgers had. Let's flip it around. Let's say this. The Astros, they're not the team cheating at all. The Dodgers are. The Dodgers are the team that knows what pitches are heading their way. You think the Dodgers aren't winning at all? You think that the Astros are still pulling it out in seven? Really? That, that's what you think? <laughs> like, Come on. Let's not be ridiculous over here. So, of course, cheating had the biggest role in the 2017 World Series. Without question. So let's not make it out to be, oh, well, what about this factor here? and What about Dave Roberts and his pitching changes? And all? If the roles are reversed in terms of cheating, that doesn't even come into play. So let's not lose sight of that. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn at the end of your first year automatically. And it's even more amazing because Discover is accepted at over 95% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes, 2019 Nielsen Report, limitations apply. All right, coming up next from the Geico Studios. I had no idea I was going to bring up this athlete, quote unquote, on the show this evening, but I'm very happy that I will be. That's around the corner. I'm Brian No, in for Jonas. Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio studios, brought to you by Geico. I'm Brian No, in for Jonas Knox. You've been doing a good job tonight, Chris. A little bit of Megadeth in yep. there. It's a good job, but you started off horrible. I got to be honest with you. Playing I forgot tool. about
6: your no tool rule. There's always oh, a, there's always God. a landmine with every host, and I just happen to hit yours off the top. You know what I just thought of? Tool is the caddyshack of music, right?
5: People worship at the altar of Caddyshack. The movie sucks. <laughs> it's not any good. It's the same thing with Tool. Tool blows. And you got all these people who are like, Oh man, what a band. What a performance. Unbelievable so, live show.
6: Does does producer Coop, producer on the Ben Mallor show, Justin yeah. Cooper, does does he know that you hate Coop because oh. he I mean does he hate Tool because he lo- he loves Tool. Oh he knows. He's okay. well okay. aware.
5: Very well aware.
6: Just making sure, because you guys want to go to this show together and this is yeah. uh this seems like a uh, an axiomatic difference between the two of you. It's
5: strange with Coop and I, because what's funny is to bring this full circle. So I used to host this show. Coop was the producer. And when I first started, Jonas was doing updates. And now Jonas had this meteoric rise. He's doing awesome. He does an (laughs) awesome job. He really does. He's a very talented guy. And uh, it's just funny how like our paths have kind of, gone in different directions right but I bring this up because Coop and I we worked on the same show for a long time and a lot of our musical tastes line up like we love old school Metallica uh, there are a few other, we love Rage right there are a few bands that we are, we are firm, firmly in agreement on and then there are other bands that we could not disagree more on and that would be Tool he loves them I don't get it at all I just, I don't don't understand it. A lot of their songs, they have these long, drawn-out, slow, I call them pitching changes. It's kind of like how long it takes to a pitching change in Major League Baseball. That's how the breakdown goes for a lot of Tool songs. go into the bullpen. Yeah. Okay, speaking of that, I'm going to go into the bullpen right now because I didn't realize I was going to be talking about Bartolo Colon tonight or this morning, however you want to look at it. So, Bartolo Colon, he is joining the Mexican Baseball League. That's right. The guy is 46 years old. He is signing with the defending champions of the Triple A circuit. This is Triple A. He's 46. He's like, screw it. Yeah, I'll pitch. I'm not even quite sure. I'm going to give it a go. The Monclova Acieros. That's right. That's where he's going. Triple A circuit. He's the winningest Latin American born pitcher with 247 career victories. So here's what it says to me. This is for the love of the game. I love that Bartolo at 46 is like, yeah, screw it. I'll pitch. Triple A? Mexican League? I don't care. Yeah, I'm in. Sign me up. (laughs) I think that's awesome. That's for more than anything, the love of the game. Now, this is a weird connection to make but this is how my mind works this is why i hate load management so much this is primarily an nba thing when it comes to load management and i realize it's much different the wear and tear and how how much you have to pace yourself as an nba player when it comes to the course of the season compared to being a pitcher in baseball, I get that, but follow me on this one. While they are quite different, there is a similarity when it's all said and done. If you look at load management in basketball, what's at the very base of it, there are two things. One gets focused on, one gets completely overlooked. When it comes to a player's philosophy as to why you want the workload To be managed. Why does Kawhi want that to happen? What's focused on, and it's one of the reasons, which is true, is he wants to be as fresh as possible for the postseason. That's only what's focused on. He said it last season. He was like, hey, if I had played a full 82-game season, paraphrasing his words, yeah, I don't think I'd be playing as well as I am right now in the playoffs. So we look at the positive impact in that particular season. When it comes to load management. What else is tied to it? You can extend your career. You get some more paydays. Down the road. And that at the base of it. Is what I hate so much. I hate. That a player is looking at. What can he get out of the game. Instead of what can he put into the game. That's where I would make the connection. With Bartolo Colon. I know it's a different sport. But the dude is 46 years old. He's pitching in the Mexican Baseball League for a triple A team. That's a dude who's looking to put something into the game instead of, hey, what can I get out of it? What's in it for me? And a lot of that is why I just hate load management so much. I hate the concept behind the purpose for players doing it. And that's tied to it. Don't kid yourself. is isn't just about, hey, uh, I want to be as fresh as possible for this postseason run, so it's team first. Yay, foam finger. Go, team. I got the pom-poms. Yeah, I'm cheering for my own team. That's not just that. It's also, well, hey, man, I can stick around in the league a little bit longer, get a few more paychecks, and that benefits me. So that's what I'm going to do. I hate it. I freaking hate it. But I hate that the NBA isn't tougher about it. I'll say this. About David Stern, he was the guy who initially lowered the boom on the Spurs when they were beginning load management, and he fined them a half a million dollars. I'll tell you this, if David Stern, if he was still the commissioner, there's no way that load management would have gotten this out of hand where it's that much of a problem. Where star players, while healthy, are like, nah, no, nah, I'm gonna sit out. I mean, I'm just gonna manage my workload and uh, little injury prevention over here. There is no way. Although this started on David Stern's watch, and a lot of people point to that, like, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. this started with him as the commissioner. There is no way it would have escalated to where it is right now. Zero percent chance. That's the difference between Stern and Adam Silver. This has gotten out of hand with Adam Silver. But Stern, there's no way. There's no way it would have escalated this much. This is why I'm rooting against the Clippers. Go NBA. And for Adam Silver, because he doesn't have this strong backbone, a lack of strong leadership, if you think about it. With the NBA and Adam Silver, I know he got rid of Donald Sterling. Big deal. That wasn't doing anything seismic. He should have been gotten rid of a long time ago. So he gets rid of Donald Sterling, and he's gotten a free pass for years based on that. There's so many things that he's been too lenient about. Load management is one of the many. So, lack of strong leadership with Adam Silver, lack of strong leadership with Rob Manfred. Saying, oh, you guys get immunity if you just tell us what happened, Houston Astros. That's weak. There's a lot left to be desired. But, For Adam Silver, not having the strong backbone, ruling with an iron fist, disciplinarian, won't stand for this garbage. It's not him. He should be hoping if it's Bucks Clippers in the NBA Finals, he should have the burner accounts going. Hashtag fear the deer. It's so much better for the NBA if the Clippers don't win a championship. Because the common takeaway is going to be, well, hey, look at the role load management played into this thing. It's going to be made out to be, well, they went not one without load management. And other teams, this is the formula. This is the blueprint. This is what you got to do. It's the recipe to win a championship. That's the way it's going to be spun. And that's the way it's going to be thought of by many. It'd be way worse for the NBA, for the Clippers, to win a championship than a team like the Bucks. You don't want other teams to copy what the Clippers formula is. It's bad for basketball. It's bad for business. For any national telecast. Hey, tune in tonight. Clippers against the Lakers. Oh wow. That sucks. Kawhi's not playing. Well, uh, tune in anyway. Maybe you know what? Bet on the game. Bet on it and then <laughs> hopefully you'll watch. It's just it's horrible for the TV partners. It's horrible for the fans. I remember a Clippers game earlier this season. There are Clipper fans walking out, talking trash about Kawhi. I spent my money; he's not playing. Sucks. So you don't want that to take the next step forward. The Clippers win a championship with other teams doing the same thing. There you go. It's a weird connection with Bartolo Colon, but in my mind, it makes sense. Hopefully, in yours, it
1: makes a little bit.
5: Oh, we got K Fig. He always makes sense. He's here to spin us around the sporting world what's going on kfig
1: if only to myself making sense brian i appreciate it well i'll start with the all-star weekend festivities getting underway in the nba on friday night kicked off with the rising stars challenge team usa beat team world the 151 to 131 as Miles Bridges won game MVP honors with 20 points. There are eight finalists for the Basketball Hall of Fame that were announced on Friday as well. That list including Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett along with the late Kobe Bryant. Also making the cut are coaches Rudy Tomjanovich, Kim Mulkey, and Bob Huggins as well as WNBA great Tamika Ketchings in golf at the Genesis Invitational. Matt Kuchar with a two-shot lead over Roy McIlroy and a couple of others. Kuchar shot a 2-under 69 on Friday. Tiger Woods comes in at 45th place. He's at even par for the tournament so far. Whether you rent or own, Geico makes it easy to bundle home and auto insurance. Having a home is hard work, so get a quote at geico.com. In the NFL, the Redskins released cornerback Josh Normans. Rather, Ravens cut safety Tony Jefferson. And news out of Major League Baseball, Indians pitcher Mike Clevenger will be out for six to eight weeks after undergoing surgery for a torn meniscus in his left knee. Back to Brian No. By the way, this is a random thought. K-Fig, which is the Hall of
5: Fame class Mm -hmm. that's going to be coming up. And, of course, Kobe's going to be a shoe-in. If you had your choice... Let's say you're KG, you're one of these players that could go in at the same time. If you had your choice to go in the same class with Kobe, because it's going to be all about Kobe, right? right? Maybe you want to be a part of that. Maybe you think it's cooler to be part of that class. Or if you could be a part of the next year's class and you might be more of the headliner, what would be your preference? Which would you rather have?
1: Uh, for me, and it may sound very selfish, but you know, I knowing that most of the shine is going to be on Kobe Bryant, I feel like that my enshrinement is going to be overshadowed a little bit. Yeah. So I feel, and there, no, there's another way you can look at it too. Is like, hey, let Kobe have this moment. Yeah, you know, if say, hey, if it's up to me, let Kobe be the only person that goes in. You know. Have just had just dedicate this entire ceremony to Kobe Bryant and let him let people come up and give their memories about him, seeing as he can't make the speech himself, and just dedicate the entire class to him and let's revisit this thing next year. That's yeah. how I would view it it's interesting, right? I don't think there's a
5: wrong answer. it's your personal preference right I just think of. Jordan speech, right? <laughs> we always talk about the Jordan speech where he's calling out everybody who ever doubted him. Called out his the, kids, yeah. <laughs> and you thought I wasn't good enough? And I love that. I lo- like anything that happens is going to be a complete footnote because Kobe Bryant is the he's. If you're looking at a newspaper, this is really dated, but it's page one, it's page two, it's page three. It's the story right. is Kobe. And I could fully understand how a player would say, if I had a choice between the two, I'd go in the next year where I'm a little bit more of the focal point, or that's a good point by UK fig You give Kobe even more shine, you know, because uh, you're going to get lost in the shuffle. If there's
1: otherwise. one person who would, you know, want to go in with Kobe, it'd be Tim Duncan. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm not going to get any shine? Cool. Yeah, right? Works for me. totally fine with that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's
1: like, yeah, like, Yeah, right. Can you imagine if Tim
5: Duncan, it's almost like a WWE wrestler going from good guy to bad guy, where he's like, yeah, I'd, I'd just rather have more shine. He's always been lunch pail, go about his business, yep. doesn't care about the shine. It'd be funny if all of a sudden he just pulls a roll reversal here at the end. Hey, we're coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by Geico. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Um, By the way, while we're talking hoops, it was interesting that Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics, he had this monster game on Thursday night, 39 points. It was an awesome, awesome game between the Celtics and Clippers. Celtics won in double overtime. And if you think about this, if you look at Jason Tatum this year, the resurgence, and Jason Tatum two years ago, who had a great season. Wow, what was odd? What, what happened in between? The, oh, that's right, last season. all oh, Kyrie Irving was around. Kyrie Irving is the growth stunter of the NBA in this new role where he's the main guy. He better hope that Kevin Durant comes back with a resurgence because Kyrie Irving has proven that he isn't capable of being the main guy. I realize he hit a huge shot in Game 7 on Steph Curry that helped the Cavs win a championship. I get it. I'm not doubting his talent. I'm very well aware of who Kyrie Irving is, but he is not, repeat, not a leader. That is not his role. And for the Celtics... Last season to take a nosedive, go downward for compared to the previous season when they went to game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. They were a game away from going to the NBA Finals without Kyrie Irving. They did nothing last season. If you look at the Nets this season, they were much better last year. This year they're struggling. They're under 500, they're a losing team. That points to Kyrie Irving. So he better hope KD comes back. He better, if I'm Kyrie Irving, I'm like, how's rehab going? Huh? How's rehab? How, how's the Achilles? You looking good? Looking good? I see that work on the basketball court. How's the shot? How's the shot feeling? Huh? Yeah. He needs Kevin Durant to be Batman because Kyrie Irving is Robin. That's who he is. And he is not a guy who gets the best out of his teammates, he's a guy that stunts their growth. The best example of that is is Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown's playing better this year. Not a coincidence. Kyrie Irving's gone. So, I, I don't think it's just a star player comes in. Because, let's be honest, look at LeBron James. As great of a player as he is, I can remember Kevin Love saying, Man, you really got to change your game. It's a whole thing to get used to. Chris Bosh said the same thing. He really got to change your game. He just... He takes a lot of shots. You're not going to have the same role. Kevin Love's role in Minnesota was way different than his role as a teammate of LeBron's with Cleveland. With Bosch, the way he played in Toronto, much different than his role in Miami. And so if you have a dynamically talented teammate, of course that's going to have a trickle-down effect to how many shot attempts you get, how many points, all of that type of stuff. I get that. But it isn't just that with Kyrie Irving. Last year, Kyrie Irving, they lost to Orlando, and he's like, yeah, these young guys, they don't know what it takes to win. (laughs) That's that's not exactly Tony Robbins-esque. It's not like a motivational speech by Kyrie Irving just rallying the troops, and they're like, let's have at it, baby. We're going for it now. No, not inspiring. Not exactly a win-one for the Gipper speech by Kyrie Irving. Yeah, you young punks, you don't know what it takes to win. He's just a negative presence. It's true. He is not set for a leading role. So we just had the Oscars. He's, like, best supporting role. That's Kyrie Irving. He's not the lead guy. He doesn't flourish in that role. And the last two seasons are proof of that. With the Celtics and the Nets, respectively, because you have to add it like that. And then also the individual players, especially Jason Tatum. What do they say? Cigarettes stunt your growth? That's kind of like Kyrie Irving. He's the cigarettes of the NBA. He is the growth stunter of the NBA. All right, We still have lots more to get to. I got some tweets I got to rattle off. We'll close it down in style. Coming up next from the Geico Studios. This just does not add up. I'm Brian No, In for Jonas. Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio Studios. Brought to you by Geico. I'm Brian No In for Jonas Knox. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I want to circle back to this with the crew. Why do you think Jonas gets as much, much brush back as he does? Jonas is a genuine dude he's easy to be along he's easy to get along with he's a friendly guy and I, it's just strange the everybody gets these twitter trolls and this negativity if you're in this business that's just how it goes but the the over the top stuff that jonas gets i, I don't understand it I don't understand based on his like persona on the air. I don't understand how he riles people up to that degree. I don't get that at all.
6: I'm pretty sure most of them are doing a bit because he reads them on air and seems to have fun with it. But I get that. But I got a a personal Facebook message
5: and the guy called Jonas a D bag. That's not for some like gig or like some, uh, some bit, some ongoing bit where you go over the top and he retweets it and he reads it and it becomes this thing. Like that's just a personal message. There's nothing to be gained by doing something like that.
6: Maybe it's because, like, I I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to. I'm struggling with it because he is a good person. But I'm thinking, like, you know, he he's always talking about football. He's into MMA. He's always yeah. talking about working out. Maybe that triggers something with some people. I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I, I I genuinely don't know.
5: I don't either. I'm at a loss when it comes to that. I'm also at a loss when it comes to this. Miles Garrett, Brown's defensive end did a sit-down interview with Mina Kimes of ESPN, and he was talking about Mason Rudolph, you know, the guy he clubbed in the head with Rudolph's own helmet and could have caused damage and it could have been way worse than it turned out to be. He should be thanking Mason Rudolph's uncommonly hard head. Mason Rudolph has the hardest head ever created to get clubbed over it with a helmet and just look at the refs like, refs, come on, that's gotta be a flag, right? <laughs> this is insane. You got the hardest head ever created. Miles Garrett should be thanking Mason Rudolph's head because if he had a normal run of the mill head, it would be way worse for Miles Garrett. But Miles Garrett did the sit down interview with Mina Kimes and he's continuing his stance alleging that Mason Rudolph. Said something that he shouldn't have said. Check this out.
11: You call me a stupid N word. Uh, I don't like. Man, I don't say the N word, whether it's you know with A, E, R. To me personally, just shouldn't be said, and whether it's you known by family, friends, anyone. So you know, when he said it, you know, it kind of sparked something. But you know, I still tried to let it go and still walk away. Once he came back, it kind of, you no, know, kind of reignited the situation.
5: Okay. So Cliff Notes version here, it doesn't make any sense to me for Miles Garrett on one hand to say the reason I didn't mention right after the game that Mason Rudolph called me the N-word was because I didn't want it to seem like my actions were justifiable. It's like if you say that Well then, why are you doing a sit-down interview with Mina Kimes right now, going into great detail about the N-word being used? You understand what I'm saying? If you didn't then want it to seem like your actions were justified, and that's the reason why you reacted the way you did. Well then, why are you saying it now? That just it doesn't add up. That's reason number one. It doesn't add up. Reason number two, and he explained it right there. He's so firmly against the usage of the N-word. He doesn't use it with an A, an E-R, with friends, family. No, he doesn't use it firmly against it. So someone that firmly against that word in general, even if a, a black friend is saying, hey, what's up, N-word, he's against that. If that's the case, you got to be way more against some white guy using it in a vile way. And yet, you still don't say to the media, look, my actions, they were completely out of line. And I apologize. I was totally in the wrong. But just so you know, he called me a stupid N word. And you need to be aware of that. Again, I take responsibility for what I did. But that's what he said. And you should know, you should know that. It's part of the equation here. He didn't say that again. A guy that's that firmly against the N word didn't say that to reporters right after the game. I just don't buy it. And a couple other layers here. Why wouldn't the NFL expose Mason Rudolph? Right? Their players mic'd up all over the place. If it was said, they should be able to hear it. So why in the world would the NFL just be like, yeah, let's let's not go down that road. We just Mason Rudolph, he's a fine young man, okay? We don't want to ruin his reputation. We don't want to ruin his budding career. Like, really? Why wouldn't the NFL come out and say, yeah, this is what happened? Really? What's the benefit of just acting like it never happened when it did? And another thing to consider is this. If Mason Rudolph called Miles Garrett a stupid N-word Mason Rudolph's teammates were right around that, that whole scenario. Marquise Pouncey, who's black, was right near that whole scenario. If Marquise Pouncey hears Mason Rudolph call Miles Garrett a stupid N-word, do you think his reaction is the same? Trying to kick Miles Garrett in the head and throwing some punches at Miles Garrett? I don't think so at all. If anything, he's helping Miles Garrett... <laughs> Get to Mason Rudolph. So that's another part. It just doesn't add up. The things that Miles Garrett has said don't add up. The actions on the field don't add up of the people around. the it, Like in ears distance and listening distance of this uh, word being used. It just doesn't add up. I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. Before we get out of here, some tweets. Jordan checks in. I would have to punch that weasel, Altuve. Okay, we're talking about if you could punch one of the Astros players, uh, manager, team owner in the stomach, who would you choose? He chooses Altuve. Uh, Laren checks in and says, Alex Bregman just has a face that needs to be punched. (laughs) That's one of the best tweets of the night. Uh, I would go Crane. I would go Team Crane on that one. Come on. You can't be like, oh, we don't know if this actually helped us or not. Uh, It kind of did. By the way, the fellas, keep it locked, top of the hour. Anthony Gargano, Lincoln Kennedy. Also, we'll end on this note. Fire Lake DJ says, boy, you got yourself in a conundrum, bro. I agree. I would want to be on the floor at Rage. Hopefully it works out. Stay positive and happy pitting. I like that. I think I'm going to shell out the money and go see Rage on the floor.
0: It's been a lot of fun. Jonas back in next week. We'll see you.